Well, if there's no hard nipples in that movie, they are on this podcast for sure. Because <laughs> uh, I can see them all right now. And that is terrifying. <laughs> What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave? I don't know. But now the battle begins. Dueling Decades. Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York Studios and on Pod TV Live, it's another all-new Dueling Decades. The adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back. I am Mark James, and this week we spread some holiday cheer with a festive December duel. I will be competing with December of 1977 alongside the other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, unwrapping the presents from the 80s, say hello to Man Crush. What's up? Welcome back. This is not a rerun episode for, uh, what is it, like two, three weeks in a row we did that? And I promised everybody that we'd be doing more episodes, but I've been busy as shit, so sorry. Uh, but yeah, I'm coming to this episode, December 1987. And mine's not super festive, but I have a festive hot product that everyone will love. I believe everyone here probably had one. So I'm going to take that one. I'm going to throw that out there early. That'll be round one. Also joining the show and bringing the gifts from the 90s, welcome back, Chucky Balzac. Hey, it's Chucky Balzac from the Garbage Pail Flicks podcast, and I'm uh, back for revenge. I almost won last time, so this time I'm back for. We're gonna we're gonna get into it, but I, I actually I, I ta- I'm talking a lot of smack, but I uh, couldn't really. Ninety ninety seven was a uh, a bleak year in December. It seemed <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. <laughs> <laughs> Way to sell your uh, your year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> and as always, we have producer Joe Finley hanging out behind the glass. Hey, everybody, you can't see me because I don't have my camera up, uh, but you'll <laughs> just have to trust that I look spectacular. Actually, you know what? I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to figure out how to put my camera up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I got this fun little gift from my wife. And if I can make it work. Oh, oh if I can make it work there. Oh, I think I broke it. It's totally broken, but that is sweet. It works sometimes. Yeah, it's this. I don't know for the life of me why it's turning off over and over again. So I'm not going to waste your time anymore. And let's just go ahead and do <laughs> dueling decades. <laughs> and of course, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So back behind the bench is an expert on lycanthrope genitalia. All rise for the squad master general himself. Judge Andre Gower. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. All rise. We are <laughs> we are back. We are back in the arena or the octagon or the whatever it is that the gladiators kill each other in. Former judge and contestant. That's right. I'm a I'm a multi-timer. Yeah, he he knows how to do this. Inside <laughs> and whatever. <out. laughs> Maybe. What what is that? The SNL thing? The seven seven timers club or the five five timers club? Oh, five yeah. timers club. Five timers yeah. club. Yeah. We haven't we haven't hit a five. Robert Tepper's close. Was Tepper yeah, at, four? at four? Four. I gotta beat him. I gotta take him down. <laughs> there you go. 
This is three. That's right. <laughs> Do it for the squad. <laughs> yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under dueling decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five dueling decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. In the event of a tie after all five rounds, we'll go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, to review the show, like, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling Decades. All right, let's kick it right down to our guest judge for this episode, Mr. Andre Gower, for the coin toss. This week, it'll be between Man Crush and Chucky. Why don't you call it this week? All right, let's go with heads. I'm going to go with heads. All right, well, yeah. I, have a special, uh, I have a special flipper. Uh, I have the uh, cup lid to my iced tea from my favorite <laughs> lunch spot, Sharky's. Uh, hashtag uh, Sharky Social. And uh, I don't get paid or even free iced tea to say that shit. Uh, but uh, uh, this is currently tails. Heads will be how, you know, top is top and, and, and upside down is up is tails. All right, ready? Here we go. Heads. Awesome. Oh, that's a first. Cup lid is a first. <laughs> I think that goes up there with uh, with a slice of pizza. All right, Chucky, you won the coin toss. You get to select our first category. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with movies. I was going to go with uh, obvious Home Alone 3 was released on December uh, 12th, 1997. But since uh, Christmas wasn't even mentioned in Home Alone 3 and um, no McCulkey Culkins, I was out for that, uh, that <laughs> one. Um, so I went with our beloved holiday classic. One everyone knows, I'm sure. The Online Adventures of Ozzy the Elf. Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie, uh, stop-motion animation, a uh, Christmas special that aired the day after um, Home Alone 3's release. Uh, and um, it was based on characters created for something called Santa's Website, which was, I believe, was a, a property, a TV property owner. What it was was that Brandon Tartikoff was um, going after properties that were outside of TV. So, of course, 1997, the internet was getting big. So he... Um, went after this TV, this internet property, Santa's website. Um, and uh, it was part of something called Santa's homepage, which was part of the cartoon. Um, it was uh, offered for kids around uh, 1996 and 97 for the holiday season to talk to Santa online. Uh, it did thing with Time Warner, AOL. You know, they were trying to do something with Brandon Tartikoff. So they made Santa's Ozzy's uh, Adventures of uh, <laughs> Online. Um, he's a temp, uh, temp in Santa's workshop. He gets off the, you know, comes rolling in. He has all this knowledge of IT and all the uh, internet uh, suave, you know, 1997 lingo going on. Um, uh, he wants to become a permanent helper. So he starts like teaching Santa how to use the internet <laughs> and uh, help with production. And the uh, reindeer are getting mad because they have a union and uh, they get mad and they uh, walk out. Because they said, well, you know, if this guy's going to take over, we're just going to go elsewhere. And, you know, so only the true meaning of Christmas only happens for when Ozzy goes after the reindeer and gets them to come back and help. And everybody works together to, like, you know, save Christmas. <laughs> um, 
Ozzy, and of course, at the end, Ozzy's offered a full-time position in Santa's Inc. Uh, promotion, five, you know, 401k, the whole shebang, you know, uh, and Christmas is saved and he teaches Santa, you know, technology, you know, yay, uh, yay, yay Christmas. And, uh, you know, the fat man's caught up now in technology. Uh, Santa's website was uh, created through AOL, like I said. Um, and uh, yeah, they made this made for TV movie and they uh, tried to keep it going online, I guess, as a series. And it just failed. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, they used a lot of 90s catchphrases. That was cool. You know, it was like, you know, fresh and, uh, you know, imitates Jack Nicholson at one point. And, you know, when did they get a load of me and they use the word hurl. So there's a lot of 90s, you know, nostalgia there. Uh, uh, the only saving grace is the voice talents. There's a, like a lot of voice talents here. Um, Homer Simpson is uh, the voice of Comet, the head uh, reindeer. Uh, Dan Castaneda, I can't say his name. Castaneda. Castaneda. Thank you, Joe. I knew I knew <laughs> I could count on Joe. Uh, Cam Clark, uh, Ninja Turtle, Leonardo, Mr. Bogus. He is the our, our protagonist of Ozzy the Elf. Uh, Jim Cummings as Santa Claus. If you don't know who Jim Cummings is, I feel sorry for you. Uh, and um, Tom Kenny and Rob Paulson rounding up the uh, voice talents. If you don't know who they are, I also feel sorry for you. Uh, directed by um, the guy who did uh, Bump in the Night and the PJs and Clay Fighters. So it's all stop motion animation. You're kind of familiar with, with the 90s. Um, and like, yeah, it was um, directed by the uh, psychopath behind um, Return to Oz. Wow. Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> So yeah, it was a rough, like I said, a rough year for films. You know, ninety and ninety seven was uh, like Titanic, Flubber, and Scream Two. So I just went with uh, the online adventures of Ozzy uh, the Elf and his online adventures, December twelfth, nineteen ninety seven. I'm wow. sorry. <laughs> I put my apologies. When you first when you came out, that sounded like uh, like it was going to be a porn. Yeah, it really. It, I kind website. of thought that. That's why it was like in the back of my mind, thinking, "Wow, this." Now I'm saying it out loud. Really doesn't. It sounds kind of odd. Like <laughs> more odd than when I researched it. <laughs> you know, you you research something, you read about, it, you're like, "Yeah, this is really weird." Then you say it out loud, and you're like, "Wow, that is really an odd concept." And <laughs> well, it was 1997. They were uh, they were trying to push the internet. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, kids. Are, yeah, kids are getting. You know, I was in high school already, so I was just you know probably high or something and not you know paying attention well i probably would have enjoyed it if i would have caught it on tv maybe <laughs> but yeah no cool claymation though all right man crush what did you bring for the movies round all right well uh let's stick with the the festive stuff so let's go december 18th of 1987 so uh speaking of the holidays though uh we're in december so it's only fitting to bring a movie that starts off with thanksgiving 1968 and during that 1968 Thanksgiving gathering, we get Tatiana Ali, Samuel Jackson, and some interspecies defecation. Sounds like a real humdinger, right? I'm excited. I'd, I'd watch it shit again. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we got the release of the highest grossing theatrical stand-up comedy routine of all time. Uh, this stand-up, it raked in just about $51 million at the box office in 1987, which is around $125 million in 2021 and for three years it held the distinction of having said the word fuck the most times in a full-length movie with a grand total of 223 fucks so like i said this is uh definitely festive uh in 1990 though us italians we rolled in and we delivered the mob classic goodfellas and goodfellas would take over the fuck record 
by using the term 300 times. And just to demonstrate a sign of the times, Goodfellas is barely in the top 20 these days. It's actually, I think it was number 19. The top fuck movie is now a movie called Swearnet, which is a whopping 935 fucks. Pretty impressive. Uh, which is, that to me is pretty wild because people get offended for far less these days. And that movie, I think, came out like a yeah, couple I years ago. that's from the same insane. guys who bring you Trailer Park Boys. Oh, okay. yes. Uh, yes. Right. It's a Canadian oh, yeah, film. Yeah. Yes, it's all yes. about Joe's life. Uh, so this film, it was put together by comedic royalty. You got Robert Townsend. He directed. You got Keenan Ivory Waynes, who wrote the intro that I was talking about before. And then you had Eddie Murphy delivering this bad boy. And you knew this performance is going to be amazing when it started with this tagline. It said, warning, you may be offended if you're black, white, male, female, rich or poor. Bill Cosby, Mr. T or Richard Pryor. And obviously everybody knows I'm talking about Eddie Murphy's Raw. It's one of the funniest stand-up shows of all time. And that would never fly by today's standards. Maybe, maybe that is unless they said fuck 936 times. It'd be okay now, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I'm, I might as well mention this. In 2019, I remember reading this article, so I had to go back and find this. Eddie Murphy actually says he cringes at his old material. He said that uh, he he admittedly came out and said that he was dealing with a breakup during Raw. He said, I was a young guy. I was processing a broken heart and, you know, kind of an asshole. And to that, I say, fuck you, Eddie. <laughs> fuck you, man. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Eddie Murphy Raw. Remember where you came from, Eddie. Come on. <laughs> Remember your roots. Just the outfit. Oh my god. The outfit was fantastic. And actually when he talked about that in 2019 it was when he was doing that whole uh what was the Netflix, the uh Rudy Ray Moore thing, Dynamite Dolomite, or whatever it was yeah. called on yeah, Netflix. Dolomite. Why would you say Dynamite? Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, Black Dynamite. Dolomite. Well, the yeah. same shit. <laughs> but he was supposed to do a uh, a stand-up special in 2019, but I, I guess cuz of covid that shit never happened. Mm. I don't remember seeing no. one. No. But if he ever does one, he's got to wear that full leather. Well, suit. you know, the only thing that would top that is his outfit from Delirious, the uh, the thriller, the red thriller one yeah, <laughs> that he had rocking. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, so for my movies pick this week, uh, let's go to a full page ad and full page article in the Los Angeles Times, December 11th, 1977, uh, with a full page movie poster ad reads a Christmas miracle. She sees what the world would be like without her, and then, with the help of a lovable angel, discovers the wonder of life, the most precious gift of all. Starring Marlo Thomas, Orson Welles, Wayne Rogers, and Cloris Leachman as the angel. It happened one Christmas, the ABC Sunday night movie at 9 p.m., a world television premiere. So this was actually one of the few times when the ABC Sunday night movie featured a made-for-television movie rather than a movie that had actually been shown in the theaters. So the full-page article hyping this movie was titled, Marlowe Delivers an Early Present. And it actually closes with a quote from that girl herself, Miss Marlo Thomas, says, ABC's Fred Silverman asked me for a Christmas story, <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. I was running some old Capria films. I loved Capria films. And when I saw It's a Wonderful Life, I realized the ideas in it about the people who join hands, who come together, 
just ordinary people, unexpected people. They can defeat any force. They can accomplish miracles. Now, to me, that's a Christmas story. So what she ends up delivering to Wonder Boy Fred Silverman is a gender-flipped remake of It's a Wonderful Life, who, in the end, Capria himself would say that it was plagiaristic. So at the time, It's a Wonderful Life was not being played on TV all the time, and many people were not as familiar with the story. It was not for a few more years where cable stations would pick up the movie and make it the all-time cable classic we all know and love. As for this movie, well, have any of you ever heard of it? No. So the movie was nominated, though, for two primetime Emmys, and it aired for a few more years after that. So I give you a movie that answers all of the questions of when it was popular with the title. It happened one Christmas, December 11th, 1977. You know, I never heard of Fred Silverman until this show. And now in one year, he's come up like five times. <laughs> he's haunting you. <laughs> Seriously, that, that was during his ABC yeah. stint, you yep. said? So that was during Jiggle TV. He came out with yeah, that Yeah, he wanted Marlo Thomas to do a Christmas movie. So she remade <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life, gender flipped it. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Were there hard nipples and uh, no bras in that show, too? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you didn't watch it. It would have been a Christmas miracle, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's toss this one down to Mr. Andre Gower, our guest judge for this episode. What's your verdict for the movies round? Well, if there's no hard nipples in that movie, they are on this podcast for sure. <laughs> Because uh, I can see them all right now, and that is terrifying. <laughs> Let's see; those those aren't bad choices. You can never go wrong with a a, a TV a movie made for TV. God knows I've been in a dozen. Um, never one with Marlo Thomas. Um, but you know, just right off the bat, look, Eddie, uh, the, Eddie Murphy Raw. Had an impact, definitely iconic, not as good, personally, not as good as uh, Raw to me, but, uh, you know, it's much, much earlier. Um, you mean I mean, Delirious. Delirious. Yeah, Raw is not as good as Delirious. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Delirious I agree. was, is still funny. <laughs> it's funny as shit. I got some my ice cream. <laughs> so funny. G.I. <laughs> Joe was in the water and did the big brown shot came. I think we quoted that all through high school. Oh, I had that uh, <laughs> quick story with Raw as I was doing a show uh, uh, on ABC uh, prior to Fox become a network was off the Fox lot. A show with Jonathan Mord and Christina Applegate called uh, Heart of the City. And then we all ended up on Fox shows when it became a network. And Jonathan Mord had a VH copy of raw that he let me borrow and i played it like for a year and i just kept it and then it ended up melting on the dashboard of a of, of a friend's car i think that oh. i let him borrow so um such as the death of uh, and i think eddie murphy melted in that red suit um but you know i think for personally i got hey it's uh early internet time it's uh, Ozzy's, you know, hijinks in Santa's workshop. It sounds a little weird, um, but you know, he it was. This was, uh, and you mentioned Brandon Tartikoff, so this has got to be an instant winner. Um, Tartikoff, who was probably what at the rounding the corner of his tenure at, at, at the network at that time, right? At which network? I mean, <laughs> didn't he get yeah. a couple of them? I, yeah, he was diving into AOL at that time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> going after AI. Uh, but, you know, trying to, you know, kind of mel meld those media together and internet yeah. and find out what it's groundbreaking, be. groundbreaking. Uh, yes. Um, and it's not as weird and gross as it sounds now. The online adventures of that's automatically porn nowadays online. But back yeah. then with proto internet, it's like, oh, this is just a new kind of uh, yeah, way yeah. to get, yeah. you know, moving pictures. Let's log um, on. That's right. And, you know, obviously Ozzy at the end teaches Santa about, you know, uh, technology. And I'm sure Santa learns in the sequel that he doesn't have to do jack shit and just order from Amazon. Um, so <laughs> that's got to be it. Got to be way, way too much going on with that one. Even though 97 was a terrible year. It was. We had Ozzy the Elf, though, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> he saved, saved Christmas. Ozzy, Ozzy the Elf saves, saves the day 20 it's years It's pretty later. interesting, though. You brought up Silverman. I mean, it really gets me thinking, who would win in a street fight? Fred Silverman or Brandon Tartikoff? I got Tartikoff. I got Tartikoff. His, his double-breasted suits were way too sharp. He could cut you with Savage. those lapels. Savage. Tartikoff did more episodes about kids doing drugs, so he knows some hard teens. Uh, yeah. When I think of Tartikoff, I think of Alf, so sold with me. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I used to, uh, you know, when you would audition for a, a network show that was actually on, well, everything was, only was on a network back then, but when you uh, had a, a lead role, you had to go through the casting and then callbacks and then producers, and then you went to network. And so that means all the network executives sat in a room and judged your auditions. And uh, many times in front of both those dudes <laughs> for network shows, but uh, definitely remember Tartikoff and uh, his, his very sharp 80s um uh suits you have shoulder pads absolutely remember when he was on saved by the bell <laughs> that whole uh, anti-drug thing on saved by the bell I, yeah. I remember that one i'm brandon tartica yeah he broke breaking the third wall on saved by the bell <laughs> he's legend legend man you know saved by the bell that could be a whole other episode exactly show that how, how yeah, could something sure. so not great be as world iconic as it is <laughs> We were just talking about that the other night, how bad the acting was, but we still okay. love it. Which is interesting because I don't, Dustin Diamond's a whole other story and a, and a whole other conversation um, that I don't think he uh, ever really got a fair shake. And uh, a lot of people brought it up and they know that uh, Dustin, well before Saved by the Bell, actually had a deleted scene in the Monster Squad. And yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, remember, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember it well. And, um, uh, I actually, uh, I can't remember who it was, but uh, Dustin's father reached out to someone I was podcasting with or something and uh, relayed a message to me that uh, he remembers us being very nice and glad we were friends over those years. So that was, that was kind of uh, uh, interesting and, and fun to hear. But yeah, say by the bell. <laughs> Good grief. That's that's what makes an indelible mark on people. Yeah. And that's nine uh, 90s personified. It, 90s personified. Yeah, if you ask the 90s personified of TV, the best TV of all time, people would go the wire and saved by the <laughs> <laughs> two polar opposites. I honestly can't complain because my um uh the 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 stunning Julie St. Clair who played Zach Morris's girlfriend in the later episodes of Safe by the Bell or a couple episodes uh was actually yeah. my prom was actually my prom date. Whoa. Now, oh, now nice. was that Tori or was that um the uh... I, I don't remember I don't remember. <laughs> uh, uh, but then they went to like the beach and 
Leo yeah, Remini okay, yeah, that was that, that was, was with that yeah, was King of Queens girl, and you know, yeah. <laughs> jumped around yeah, a he, lot. Uh, Zach never really struggled. No, no he didn't area. settle either. They kind of no, he sure up. didn't. And <laughs> um, but you know what? You got to give kudos to because uh, Mar- I knew Mark Paul well during those years because we played on the Hollywood celebrity basketball team together, and um, uh, he. My favorite thing to see him is working now because he's really good. <laughs> And he was excellent on NYPD Blue, which is a fantastic departure from yeah. Saved by the Bell to fucking NYPD Blue. And then he was right after Schroeder, right? Was that was right. right yeah, Schroeder he replaced Schroeder because uh, they just killed Danny Sorensen off and rolled him up on a carpet and he was gone. That's <laughs> and right. Mark Paul was there and he was fantastic. They killed everybody off that. He didn't die, though, right? He didn't die. Uh, Mark Paul? No, I don't remember how he... Uh, right when COVID started, I actually watched the entire run of NYPD Blue from caruso through smith's to schroeder to mark paul and then all the new and all the new folk but uh no that was it was it was it was really good and i think elizabeth um uh, berkeley gets a bad rap because she was absolutely excellent uh and exactly what verhoven asked her to be in showgirls yeah 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 should have been robocop <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead mark yeah I know mark's giving me the look go ahead you oh yes sorry did we go off on a tangent there sir <laughs> ozzy wins <laughs> ozzy the internet yeah ozzy the ozzy internet, the internet that's, where that's where it started who knows <laughs> all right chucky you pick up our first point you keep control of the board you get to select our second category where are we okay. going man? all right all right, let's go to music next because that's what's on my list here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, another another bummer for I mean I don't want to you know but music was kind of uh, lackluster. Ninety seven, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the music industry. Uh, uh, the only thing in December going on was a very special Christmas three was released, but that was until that was in September. So you know we're in December and they were already you know already got the jump on that so there was releases of that you know singles from that uh john tesh garth brooks steve winwood stuff that i just you know i I, no 97 i was listening to like you know tupac and biggie and you know uh you know insane clown posse so uh, (laughs) i'm sorry wu-tang clan you know yeah um so okay yeah candle in the wind was number one on the charts leanne rhymes you get the uh, chumbawamba you get the idea so there's nothing you know, the Grinch stole 97 music, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> December 18th, 1997, uh, the Honolulu Advisor, Honolulu reports that a video lands MTV smack dab in the middle of controversy. After a week of screening, MTV withdraws the Prodigy's video entitled Smack My Bitch Up. In the wake of protests involving feminist activist Gloria Steinman, MTV has quietly stopped playing the controversial video by the band The Prodigy. Um, they only sp- uh, screened it for a few weeks uh, at the 1 to 5 a.m. hours, you know, just in time for the vampire and hooker crowd. The de- that demographic really liked stuff like that. So, yeah, smack my bitch up. Uh, it was released in uh, November, um, only a month before it was pulled from MTV. The video was, you know, released and pulled from MTV. And it was the third single off the album, The Fat of the Land. Uh, the video depicted scenes of drunken and drug-fueled sexual excess and violence. Uh, the refrain, which consists only of the line, change my pitch up, smack, smack my, my bitch, bitch up. up. Uh, and of course, the lead singer, Keith Flint, committed suicide 
in 2019. So he's not smacking any bitches up anymore. Uh, happy holidays. My gift to you is uh, Christmas green sidehawk hair from the prodigy. Smack my bitch up was banned on MTV December 18th, 1997. <laughs> Funny story, the first strip club I ever went to, uh, my friend Joe Harris, it was a snowy night, and I was stuck in, I was stuck in his house, and he's like, you want to go to a strip club? And I was like, dude, it's snowing. There's like <laughs> inches and inches of snow outside. He's like, they'll be open, trust me. So we go to this place called Jiggles, right? Fitting. We open the door, and that was the song that was playing while the chick was on stage. First song I ever heard in a strip club, Smack My Pitch Up. At might, Jiggles, might be, might be Real a good town, New York. Might be a good song for. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is going on here?" It's, it's catchy, was, and you yeah, can, we ended up staying there for about a half hour. Anything by the Prodigy is a '90s <laughs> anthem. I, I mean, you can. I mean, anything uh, you put on the Prodigy, it's like you're in, you're back in the '90s. Like, well, where's the Ray that? Yeah, you, you got to get your steel ball. Yeah, steel, I don't want to go chain. back to the '90s. Stop it! I don't want to go. Back. <laughs> All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the music round? All right, so let's go to December 23rd, 1987. And on that night, this rock legend, he went partying with his other rocker friends, uh, including Robin Crosby of Rat, which is the same Robin Crosby who died in 2002 from a heroin overdose, which also included, uh, I think he had pneumonia from complications and he had AIDS. He had like the trifecta there. But anyhow, uh, he went out with that guy. And he went out with Slash and Steven Adler of Guns N' Roses for a cocaine-fueled evening on the town two days before Christmas. And uh, just after they returned to the Franklin Plaza Hotel, Motley Crue bassist Nikki Six had his dealer inject him with a dose of heroin. Two days before Christmas, why not? And uh, the next thing that Nikki Six remembers, and I'll give you this quote from Nikki Six, he said, I tried to sit up. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I thought it would be hard to lift my body, but to my surprise, I shot upright, and it was as if I weighed nothing. Then it felt as if something very gently was grabbing my head and pulling me upward. Above me, everything was bright white. I looked down and realized I had left my body. Nikki Six, or the filthy, tattooed container that once held him, was lying covered face to toe with a sheet on a gurney being pushed by the medics into an ambulance. Six said he had woke up, you know, minutes later to see uh, needles jutting out of his chest after he was just clinically dead for two minutes. And this right here is how rock and roll this dude is. So Vince Neil, like this, the news wasn't in the newspapers, which is nuts. If you go to newspapers.com, you try to look this up. It's actually not in articles. But what happened that night, as soon as this happened, they were reporting it on the radio. So the guys from the band had heard about this and they were like, oh, shit. So Vince Neil gets ready. He goes to the hospital, right? As soon as he gets that news, he goes, he rushes to the hospital where he's told this. The nurse looks at him and goes, uh, Mr. Six just left. He pulled the tubes out of his nose. He tore the IV out of his arms and told everyone, including the police, to fuck off and then walked out only wearing a pair of leather pants. Holla fucking Louie, right? So he, this guy goes to the parking lot, and this is from his book they released a couple of years ago. Uh, two teenage girls were mourning his death because, like I said, it was on the radio. They were mourning his death outside. He just walks outside with these leather pants, no shirt, no shoes. These girls give him a jacket and then they lecture him on quitting drugs, then give him a ride home. Wow. How fucking awesome is that? So he gets home, right? 
And then he changes the message on his answering machine to say this. Hey, it's Nikki. I'm not home because I'm dead. And then he goes to the bathroom, gets more heroin and shoots up again. That's what you do. Fucking crazy. But I mean, that's, that said, you know, now he's working on, I think this year it's 20 years. This guy's been clean from drugs and booze. And this whole ordeal right here, it led to Motley Crue's hit song, Kickstart My Heart, which is off their best-selling and only number one album, Dr. Feelgood. Furthermore, Kickstart My Heart is now their most popular song on Spotify with 335 million mm. plays. Number two, by the way, is Girls, 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 only at 166, which that's wild when you look at that shit like now, because Kickstart My Heart was a big song, but it wasn't number one. It's not like it was Home Sweet Home winning TRL every fucking day and changing the way that they had to do that show. This was like kind of like a middle of the road song at the time. It was popular, but now it's like their most popular song on all the streaming services. It's wild how, uh, how time because all the Motley Crue fans are old and having coronaries and <laughs> me, me included. <laughs> Andre included. We'll get into that. But yeah, it's uh Nikki six and his overdose. Hmm. So unlike Chucky with Smack My Bitch Up and Man Crush with uh, Nikki Six using the smack, my pick this week has nothing to do with heroin. So if you're looking for the perfect gift this year for that special someone, a man named Money and not Santa may have the perfect gift for you. So how about two tickets to paradise? My present to you is the double platinum self-entitled debut studio album by Eddie Money. Released December 1977. Now, this is the album that gave us two absolute classic AOR radio hits. Uh, the first one being Baby Hold On, which reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. And the aforementioned Two Tickets to Paradise, which reached number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100. And has since been used in countless movies, TV shows, and video games. So let's go to the news pilot out of San Pedro, California, uh, December 9th, 1977, for a review of the album by Joseph Bensua. Like his father, his father's father, Eddie Money became a New York City cop. But only for one year, it wasn't rock and roll. And like Eddie sings in his song, I Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star, he knew before he became a cop what he was really suited for. In a day and age where solo artists have to lean towards and sympathize middle-of-the-road crowds to get ahead, it's beautifully refreshing to hear that the Eddie Moneys of the world are still around. This isn't an album that's full of absurd, try-to-please-everybody-with-your-phony-light-rock. Instead, Eddie has taken the less sensible approach by recording a batch of straightforward, biting rock cuts. So, uh, just an absolutely outstanding album by Eddie Money. Uh, for his debut album, coming out with a song like Two Tickets to Paradise, which is my favorite cut off this album. Uh, just a legend. So, yeah, if you're looking for that perfect gift, what's better than Two Tickets to Paradise? Pack your bags. We'll leave tonight. I never knew he was a cop. Yeah, as was his father and his grandfather. <laughs> he did it for like a year. I heard, I saw an interview with him today about it. And, uh, yeah, he, he just had that urge. He knew he he wanted to be a rock and roll star, so he quit the force. Moved out to California and started uh, getting into bands and stuff out there. And then eventually went solo and signed with legendary promoter and manager Bill Graham. Solid. 
All right, let's kick it over to guest judge Andre Gower for his verdict on the music round. Well, just uh, uh, as a quick recap, uh, Chucky, I don't know if you're getting two in a row here. Uh, Prodigy, like you said, 97, not only in film, but music. Little, little thin, maybe like maybe might have should have gone with the John Tesh Christmas album. <laughs> you know, I um, have. in hindsight, you're right. <laughs> that was my yeah, that was my backup. <laughs> then the uh, you know, but hey, it made its mark, and we're still talking about it today. That's the kind of point of music, uh, and uh, and 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 leaving your mark, uh, whether it's a stamp of approval or a skid mark it's still a mark right um, it's still mark, yeah. you know i would I, I i definitely had eddie money in a distant second place here uh because he's not he's, we just got through the nikki six story of motley crew and how rock and roll that is and then i'm saying eddie money's not that rock and roll uh and then this review <laughs> in 77 seems like he's the savior of rock and roll um and i think bob seeger would have punched eddie money in the balls <laughs> But um, uh, but Eddie Money gets a little bit more uh, cred with me that he was a New York cop for a year because uh, you know what? Not a lot of people talk shit like that and they never actually right. do it. Uh, so kudos to Eddie Money. Uh, but I never saw Motley Crue play a small bar in Augusta, Georgia uh, the day before Sunday at the Masters and Eddie Money did. Uh, so I don't know if that makes you hardcore or a sellout. I'm not real sure. Um, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe Vince Neil will be doing acoustic versions uh, at the Hooters on Washington Road in Augusta. Uh, if anybody's ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to go uh, for for more than more than one reason. There's two reasons with the Nikki Six Motley Crew wins. Uh, Man Crush, you get one here only because back in the early days of the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, they had a great little uh, round uh, about of slot machines uh, that was called Kickstart My Heart. And if you hit the uh, the three wheel jackpot, you actually run won a Motley Crue themed chopper. Uh, so I played that slot machine a lot so I can win that fucking chopper uh, and then just take the cash value because I don't want a motorcycle. Uh, but um, and then the other one, I have to go back to my coming up days uh it was never super cool enough to be a rock kid i wasn't i wasn't bold enough uh, i kind of liked all music but i had a good friend of mine in elementary school named darren rock uh who couldn't have had a Perfect. better last name <laughs> he was the kid who had all the cool concert t-shirts scared the shit out of me in fifth grade because he wore the judas priest shirts i was like what is that thing and uh he had a duplicate motley crew shout at the devil concert t-shirt and he gave me a cassette uh, for my birthday. And then later he gave me uh, that second T-shirt. So the only rock T-shirt I ever had uh, was Motley Crue. Very so nice. I'm going to, and they're Valley guys. So I'm going to, you know, now they are. <laughs> Vince Neil used to live in our neighborhood. Uh, as hardcore as he is, he lived up in suburbia in Porter Ranch. Sell out. <laughs> but it's <all> right. <laughs> So in honor of Darren Rock, who unfortunately passed away years and years ago, um, uh, I'm going with Man Crush's and Nikki Six's hardcore story. <laughs> yes. All right, Man Crush, we're heading into our final one-point round. You take control of the board. What category are we going with next? Oh, man, what do we have left here? We got uh, news, hot products. TV and hot products. Oh, man. Let's go with, let's go with news. Let's go with news here. So let's go uh, December 4th, 1987. 
I found this story. It was in the Daily News, and I had to go with this one. Just for the time of year, you'll see. It's just everything in general with this one. It, it's not a bad story. And I had this whole plan. I've done this in the past. Mark knows this. I was going to track this kid down and either get him on the show or I was going to record a snippet about the story. And uh, sadly, while I was attempting to track him down, I learned that this gentleman passed away a few years ago. So regardless, I decided to bring the story anyway. And because as a parent who is about to have a driver on the road, I cannot fathom this. Then you'll see in a minute what I'm talking about. So this one's for you. It's uh, Rocco Mirabito Jr. Rest in peace, buddy. Because uh, this story is great. And this kid made it on Letterman. I watched, if you want, you can go to uh, YouTube. Just look up um, Rocco Mirabito and uh, Letterman. Kid was five years old on Letterman. It's, it's pretty hilarious because he can't even talk. Uh, but the name of the story is Oh Boy, What a Ride. And this is by Larry Cole. Of course, this is in New York City, Rye, New York. A five-year-old Westchester County boy took his two-year-old sister for a spin through Portchester and Rye in the family station wagon yesterday morning. The boy, his sister, Portchester, and Rye all survived. And I quote in the story, it was 7.05 a.m. I was sitting in the Midland Deli on Midland Avenue when a car pulls up and this guy, Dave Cassera, runs in and yells to me, hey, there's a car going down the street with a little kid driving it, said patrolman Robert Vogel of the Rye City Police Department. I ran out and I saw this Buick going down the road, weaving slightly, Vogel said. I jumped into my car and I came up behind it going about 25 miles an hour. And I didn't know what age the kid was. So I didn't know if I should just put on the red lights and siren, but I did. And he pulled over to the curb perfectly, just like you're supposed to do when you hear a siren. Vogel hopped out of his patrol car. He walked up to the Buick, which was coasting slowly along the curb. He jumped in the car, stopped the car and looked to see who was in front of the seat. It was Rocco Mirabito Jr. of Leonard Street in Portchester wearing his pajamas and sneakers and his sister Brandy wearing a pajama top. Both suspects were by this time crying hysterically. I want my mommy, Rocco wailed. It's OK. I'll call her, Vogel said. And he said, mommy doesn't have a way to get here. I have the only car. Well, Vogel said Rocco then said, I can drive. I'll go get her. And I told him, I said, hey, little man, listen, you're a little too young to be driving. Uh, a little young, perhaps, but ready. Uh, he had the seat pulled all the way forward and the steering wheel pulled all the way down. Vogel assured the two kids they weren't in big trouble, wrapped Brandy in a blanket. Keep in mind, this girl was two years old and took them to the police station. The kid's grandfather, who heard all about this on the police scanner, he jet set it like right down to the police station and they went down there. So this is a little background on this. This is a five-year-old and a two-year-old in this car, in a station, a Buick station wagon in New York, in a suburb of New York City, right? So Vogel said that Rocco had opened a garage, uh, opened a locked garage door. He backed the car out of a narrow 30-foot driveway. My wife can't even do that now in our own driveway. And then he drove 100 <laughs> yards to Midland Avenue, turned left, and then drove one a little over a mile uh, to a busy Midland Avenue from Portchester into Rye through several intersections at the height of the morning rush hour. And they just go on and on about this story. Then at the end, uh, they asked Rocco what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said he wanted to be a truck driver. Very nice. But I mean, I have a daughter who's 15 and is going to get her license. Well, she wants to get it next year. And I can't even imagine her getting behind the wheel. 
picture this five-year-old. Basically, what happened was this kid went, he grabbed the keys from on top of the refrigerator. They were in his mother's purse. He started the car on his own. And as he was doing this, his two-year-old sister came running out of the house and was crying hysterically because she wanted to go with him because she wanted him to bring her to the beach. And that's where they were headed. And he, he claimed on Letterman uh, that he knew how to get there. And that, that was his plan. Pretty, pretty crazy. Unreal. All right, Chucky, what did you bring for the news round? Well, it's hard to top that, honestly, <laughs> the way, and the way man crush delivers it. It's kind of, yeah. So, um, did you guys know uh, that Basil Leo Nick Christmas died in December of 97? He was 79 years old and uh, yeah, he died in Vermont. Uh, but I digress to another Basil, a different Basil on Christmas. Uh, out of the Moline, Illinois uh, uh, dispatch reports in 19, uh, December 16th, 1997, police officer convicted of stashing marijuana. Uh, Eureka! That's actually the name of uh, Eureka Police in Illinois. Um, Sergeant found guilty Monday of marijuana position will uh, remain with the department, ending a 17-month case of an alleged conspiracy involving three officers. I'll just, you know, cut to the boring details. Three officers uh, were taking uh, marijuana evidence that was marked evidence and uh, stashing it in one of the uh, one of the officers or former officers uh, uh, houses. And um, it was found by the uh, owners after uh, they moved another owner after they moved in. And uh, it just this whole conspiracy started and it's basically ended where they all they all basically um, they um all kept their jobs and um, uh, got away with it. Yeah. They just, uh, they said that they were all good police officers and they never had any, uh, anything, you know, wrong, wrongfully against them. Uh, and technically um, he pleaded guilty and uh, it went to, it didn't have to go to trial and they just, yeah, they all, um, they all got away with it basically. It's 1997 too, which is uh, amazing because, you know, look how, you know, everything's legal now, but back then in 1997, yeah, it was, you know, kind of, unheard of and they just you know slap on the wrist and you know uh there was uh let's see uh officer zook <laughs> and uh sergeant stadanko <laughs> sergeant clarence clarence lenover wayne clarence wayne lenover i don't know how clarence and wayne are anywhere near the same name but um but yeah so yeah they uh they you know three officers uh were stashing marijuana evidence and got away with it on uh how many how many pounds was this Oh, it was, um, uh, let's see it. You know, honestly, I don't even know if it even says in here. Can you imagine moving into a house and just finding a stash of like 30 pounds of weed? I have dreams about that, man. (laughs) (laughs) Would you even tell anybody? I'd be like, oh, sweet. It's all right. (laughs) Yeah. One of them was suspended for 10 days. Um, the severity, uh, yeah, that they did discipline them for, you know, for it and, they said he was an excellent officer since 1975 and um he was doing his job uh otherwise <laughs> like yeah but he stole evidence like i don't understand how that just you know yeah i heard they locked him in a <laughs> closet with a pound of weed and made him smoke it all <laughs> yeah they, the public safety committee is uh the body responsible for disciplining the police officers that committee is made up of uh, eureka alderman and uh yeah it sounds like the 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 city or the town got him out of it that's what it would have basically you know without saying it it 
sums it up basically. And then underneath the article, it's uh, charity beer tasting helps area children. <laughs> 1997, man. Awesome. Different times, different time. Cold in Illinois in December. You gotta, you know, it's cold. You gotta light up the spliff and you gotta drink the beer to keep you warm. Uh, I, We're very legal here, so go figure. Uh, yeah, you know, hey, those, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what, how. Please top that. Those two. Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> all right, guys. So from my new selection this week, let's go to an article, December fifteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, uh, where the headline reads. Kids have funny ideas about Santa out of Portland, Maine. Santa Claus lives in a church and has a part-time job selling pizza. He went to college in Massachusetts. He wedded, he met his wife in Virginia, and he found Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in Tampa. Those were a few of the answers provided when the Portland Evening Express asked a class of first graders at the North School about the jolly old cat's personal life. The newspaper said it asked children to provide details for a biography about Santa Claus. Stephanie Clemens, seven years old, thought up the background about Santa's education and the fact that he met his wife in Virginia, where she worked in a paper factory. Stephanie also came up with a tidbit about Rudolph's hometown and said that Santa's belly, which repeatedly jiggles like a bowl full of jelly and he, when he laughs, was caused by, and I quote, Italian sandwiches. <laughs> Amanda Wenzel, six years old, said Mr. and Mrs. Claus have been married for 10 years and lived in the country until Mrs. Claus recently decided to move to the North Pole and live in a church. Nothing about Mr. Claus, so there might be some marital issues there. Uh, the couple have two children and a cat, and Claus works part-time in Brunswick and also sells pizza and candy at the North Pole, she said. Now, Eddie Terrio, six said that he eats a lot of spinach before making his annual Christmas deliveries. But Debbie Glenn, six years old, said that Santa eats carrots to keep his health up and that Mrs. Claus fixes him a nice bowl of stew after all of his deliveries are completed. Chris Lee, who was six years old, didn't know what, what Mr. Claus ate, but he feeds his reindeers marshmallows to keep them fit and flying. <laughs> yeah. And what does Claus do on a chilly night when all the gift-giving is complete? According to Alicia White... Seven years old, he returns to his small red house and takes a hot bath because Santa is old, about 31. <laughs> oh, so God. I give you the innocence of Christmas and some kids who I'm sure all turned out to be rocket surgeons. December 15th, 1977. Rocket surgeon or a scientist? Rocket surgeons, man. I saw what you did there. I see what you did there. Of course, we missed the one that was right there, little Katie or whatever her name was, with the Santa and the Mrs.'s cat, of course, was named Kitty Claus. Um, so they uh, they should have taken a little journalistic license and filled that in for the little ones. Why didn't Hollywood um, take that whole story and just create a movie? That's uh, because we didn't have the internet to steal everything from everybody right now, especially six six year olds. Uh, trust me, once they hear this podcast, we're going to see Ozzy the Elf in a sequel stealing all of this shit. The Ozzy the Elf reboot is coming. I know it. It always happens. It's the story of my life. Somebody's going to find Santa at his uh, his his pizza shop. It's called the, the 5G Adventures of Ozzy the Elf. 5G. I feel like Fred Claus is a little bit of this. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. All right, Andre, let's hear your verdict on the news round. 
Uh, you, you know, the, the, the kids are always sweet and innocent. Uh, they come up, they, you know, someone said they say the darndest things. Uh, but I think no. you get the, I think you get the most creative, clear, innocent uh, narratives from kids' minds. Uh, but they also don't know jack shit. So it's, uh, <laughs> they're absolutely insane people. 31 um, is old. Yeah, 31 <laughs> that hit me right in the wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that hit me right in the 48-year-old gut. <laughs> We're all ancient. Um, you know, Chucky's kind of Midwest, you know, there's not much to do in the area. Uh, hey, they may have been great cops. Uh, but they were terrible drug traffickers. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you just leave your pot in the house and move and forget, Barney Barney Fife's a good cop. You know, the first, th- you know, I'm I'm the owner of that that new buyer, and be like, hey, the weed conveys, y'all. The weed conveys, <laughs> just like the washer and dryer. The weed conveys. Is that you part of your home it appraisal? It wasn't. It wasn't in the listing. I get it. It's mine. You know that this. You know, and pardon the pun, but this story also reeks a little of the headline this week where they found all the money in Joel Osteen's bathroom wall. Uh, yeah, um, I think Joel Osteen hit that shit in there because he's embezzling money all the time. Uh, there's no way. And you know what? If you follow him, that's fine. He's robbing. You. Uh, it's... Um, I wish God wanted me to have a private jet in the mansion. That's right. Um, Filled with cash. And all the others. I want to be the guy that sells the little packets of water for $5. Yeah. Uh, what a fucking genius. Absolutely fucking genius. You know what? I'm going to sell water. Sell packets of water uh, to senior citizens who are mentally deficient right now and send me a check. For and $5. thirsty. And thirsty because they want to drink the holy water. Um but I, you know, only because I like to tie things, you know, as you know, as you may tell, to personal connections. Uh, it hits me right in the. Uh, I'm super old because I'm over 31. Uh, thank you, little <laughs> Jeremy, whatever his name was, um, bastard. Um, uh, with uh, Rocco. Rocco. What's his last name? Mur Mur Murabito. You know, and it, it's funny when I looked it up. That is actually a drug dealer. Like it was like a big time drug dealer from South America somewhere who got arrested a couple of years ago. So when I was looking this dude up, that's what kept coming up. But- well, he is a rebel. Uh, that would that would totally make sense. <laughs> I love the name. I think he needs his own biopic. Um, and I wasn't five, but I was, uh, you know, 14. Uh, and one of my best friends at the time, Allison Ashnault, uh and her dad, they owned a 64 and a half. Uh, Ford Mustang, uh, cherry red with white leather interior. And Allison was 16, I was 14, and we were driving around the neighborhood, and I was behind the wheel, and we got pulled over. Oh, (laughs) shit. uh, The irony is, they scared the shit out of us, said, go home, don't drive, um, and uh, said, we're going to call your parents. They never did. And uh, so kudos to LAPD Devonshire Division. And the irony is my friend Allison grew up and has been an LAPD cop for like 25 years. (laughs) So I'm going to go with hardcore uh, five-year-old, you know, future, you know, rocking out drug dealer. He's not, he wasn't. But no, uh, he he was. I got to go with Rocco. I got to go with Rocco because he made Letterman. Yeah, he made Letterman for six minutes. None of us have been on Letterman. And like he barely spoke. It's a really cute six minutes. 
because the kid he, Letterman's asking him questions and the kid just doesn't know what to answer. He's so overwhelmed. And Letterman's just kind of like this is 1987 Letterman. So he's not even, you know, he hasn't been there. You know, he's probably just filling in or whatever. And it's you could tell he's just like, ah, why did we bring this kid on? Because he's not giving me anything. But it's cute. It's funny. And uh, sadly, like I said, he passed away. Uh, I wish I would have been able to get him on because we've had a couple of those. We find these stories and we find the people and we bring them on. And it's great to to hear all the background detail of all this. But uh, yeah, that'd have been great because he would have just, you know, talked shit to all those, you know, to Chucky's <laughs> five and six year olds and been like, oh, great. You're cute with your reindeer marshmallow farts. I stole a fucking car. <laughs> a Buick station wagon. A Buick that, station wagon. That's no doubt. That's, that's right. Ballsy. Top that little Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Man Crush, well, you jump out to the lead, and uh, you keep control of the board heading into our first two-point round. Where are we going next? All right, so let's go Hot Products. I was going to do this round one, like I said I was going to do, but I didn't win the coin toss, so we'll go there anyway. Uh, so what we did for Hot Products, uh, we, we tried to do this and focus it around a holiday product that was hot for our year. And I think finding a circular, and I'll, I'll go over that in a second, uh, it really opened my eyes to this, and I was like, holy shit, you're right. Uh, so December 1987, this needs no explanation. I'm going to keep this one short. This product actually arrived in North America. The release was like sometime in the fall of 1985, but it really didn't take off until like 1987, maybe late 86 for various reasons, mostly because they were just test marketing it in the United States. But once this thing hit the shelves in most of the U.S., I'd say this is probably the hottest Christmas toy probably for the next several years. And you can look online and you're going to see like the, the uh, Kush ball and Jenga and shit. Nobody was buying that shit for Christmas. If I had a Jenga under my tree on Christmas day, I'd be uh, that too. If, if my parents gave me that for Christmas, I'd be pissed. Uh, but this, this, uh, this item right here, it was only dethroned. I'd say in 1989, by another item that this company put out and every kid in my school had, they had both of these. Uh, but I had the, uh, the Toys R Us Christmas circular from December, 1987, right on the front cover front and center for $139 and 97 cents, which is roughly $340 in 2021, which is a steal. You could purchase what for Christmas? I'll just, I'll, let me quiz you guys first. 1987, uh, for one hundred thirty nine ninety seven, what do you think you were getting for Christmas? Heroin. Uh, yes. An Atari. <laughs> a Commodore sixty four. Uh, that would be a little bit more expensive than one hundred thirty nine ninety seven. I don't know. Joe is close, or somebody's close. I heard somebody say Atari. You're close. Uh, 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 original Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, that, yes. that, that, Andre got it. That's it. It's a Nintendo Entertainment System uh, for yeah. one hundred thirty nine ninety seven. That also included included the robot. So you got ROB. Uh, you got the control deck, of course, which is a Nintendo. You got two controllers. You got a zapper, and you got two games. And I can't tell from this ad exactly. Uh, I talked to Mike Ranger on this because he is the expert in gaming. Uh, he thinks it's probably Mario Brothers and probably Gyromite because it had the uh, the ROB. So it was, it was one or the other. He had, he gave me some other options. Yeah. He's like, with Rob. Duck Hunt so you could use the zapper? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's where he was torn. He was like, it's either yeah. Duck Hunt or I think or mine Gyromite. came with Duck Hunt. It was Gyromite and mine. Duck Hunt. On, they, were, they did both of them separate, then they released them but together, I think. And then uh, Mario okay. came after that. Either way, oh, yeah. I mean, still a hell of a hot product. I mean, yeah. you get all that for $139.97. I think when I got mine, 
and I think I got mine in 88 and my parents just got me the control deck that came with the, uh, the two controllers. And even that was shit was cheap. It, I, it was probably sub a hundred dollars at the time, but I mean, who did not have NES in the late eighties? I feel like my entire school that I went with had NES. Everybody had NES, whether you had games or not, that was a whole different story, but at least you had the ones that came with. And the sales figures are a little all over the place for the NES, but I would say it sold over 60 million units. I saw that come up a few times. So pretty damn good, right? Uh, that's what I got. NES. 60 million times 139 is a lot that's of cocaine. A lot, that's a lot of fucking cocaine. <laughs> for Brandon Tartikoff. That's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> that's a lot of shoulder pads. And a lot of heroin for Nikki Six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Chucky. I'm gonna make keep it interesting here, and because uh, you know what, what's the Christmas season without a good console war, uh, the video game console wars, um, and uh, just for uh, Joe uh, Finley over there out of Canada, Edmonton Journal, 1997, uh, navigating the video game hype. Uh, get the system. It starts out if you get the system that is game the games you wanted by the person you're buying for. Uh, all that your child or loved uh, love of your life, your or your surprisingly modern Aunt Millie uh, want for Christmas is a video game system. Uh, if you don't know a thing about video games, in 1997, uh, the there was two game systems at the time that just uh, came out. Uh, you know, barely within a few years of 1997 Christmas. Um, particularly, this 1997 Christmas was the Nintendo 64 versus the PlayStation One. Uh, the Nintendo 64 was released a year prior uh, in September of 96, or almost a year prior. Well, yeah, about a year and some change. Um, but the uh, PlayStation was released a year before that in uh, September of 95. Uh, so by Christmas 97, uh, this was probably like the third console war. If you really put it into perspective, it was Atari versus Nintendo, and then uh, followed by uh, Nintendo versus Sega. And this would be the Nintendo 64 versus Sony PlayStation, the new Sony PlayStation. Um, I personally always uh, looked at it in terms of like games, you know, uh, who released the more games. And, you know, that that's how I made my decision uh, when I was a kid. Obviously, I didn't because it was, you know, whatever was cheapest. Um, but uh, at launch, um, you know, usually they got a lot, you know, at least five games out at that time. Uh, in 97, uh, PlayStation had the bigger library because they were out since like 90, you know, 95 or whatever it was. Um, and you know, they were, you know, ahead of the game at that point, pun intended. Um, <laughs> the, um, PlayStation also had a lot of, um, the, uh, uh, EA games, uh, Madden, uh, NBA, all those, uh, you know, those games. So that, that was catered towards the, that type of gamer. Whereas Nintendo, you know, they were still using cartridges, whereas PlayStation was using, um, discs at that time, you know, upgrading and keeping up with the times. Nintendo stayed with the, you know, with, and kept the same graphics too. Uh, with using cartridges still. Um, and they kept up with, um, they actually kept up because PlayStation had released a lot of games before then um, since they'd been out so long. Um, and similar graphics on both, 64, uh, more vibrant vibrant colors on the 64. Um, and the controller I want to touch on is the Nintendo 64 uh, brought out the controller with the D-pad that we all know now that's on every controller. And uh, at the time, PlayStation didn't have that. PlayStation got that after, a couple of years after uh, the 64 brought that out. Uh, and 64 was, you know, kind of seen as a kid's thing because of Nintendo. And PlayStation was always seen as the more adult thing. But, you know, you be the judge. Um, 
yeah, you know, they, you know, like Mario and Zelda on, you know, 64, it was, you know, it was a no brainer. Uh, the um, article goes on to point out the highlights of each system, as I just kind of did. Um, it concludes if you're, you have extra money and you want uh, a system that lasts longer, go with a Nintendo 64, which is true because I still have my Nintendo 64 that I got in 97. Uh, um, but if, um, if you have less money and you want more games, PlayStation. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, yeah, 1997, I had a 64. I got it for Christmas. Uh, we got, I, I had all the games that came with, you know, like that were out at the time. I had like uh, Mario 64, South Park, and uh, uh, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, 97, like I said, I was going into uh, college. So I had some friends that, you know, December it was cold out and they brought some uh, acid over and we played Nintendo 64 <laughs> until morning. It was a magical Christmas. The console wars of 1997. I'll always remember it fondly. It felt like seven minutes long, but it was really right. like, no, it felt like a week. It felt like more like a week. <laughs> it felt like I was playing Mario 64 for a week. I don't know, man. It sounds like a wonderful life. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, like I said, it was a magical holiday. <laughs> All right. So for my hot product this week, uh, you know, we've already talked to the kids once, twice this episode. So if you really want to know what's hot and popular, you ask a kid. So let's go to the letters to Santa section of the Journal Tribune out of Marysville, Ohio, December 2nd, 1977, where a kid just rattles off a laundry list of things for Santa to bring him for Christmas. It starts off, Dear Santa Claus, thank you for the things you brought my sister and me last year. I would like this for Christmas. A $6 million man, cars, trucks, farm machinery, CTR racetrack, Mr. Muscle, Clothes, King Kong, Batman, Robin, Shazam, Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Fonz Pinball Machine, Fonzie and Motorcycle, Little Sport Power Hitter, Slinky, and Stretch Monster. My sister Nikki would like a doll, sewing machine, Slinky Dog, Baby Doll Clothes, Wonder Woman, Clothes, Books, Jewelry, Bionic Woman, and a Rubber Snake. Uh, we'll leave you some cookies and milk. There will be carrots for Rudolph and the other reindeer with much love. Chad Jolliffe, age six, Nikki Jolliffe, age three. So I actually found a bunch of other articles and ads that support some of these Christmas items as hot products. They were all the big top sellers. You had Stretch Armstrong, the $6 million man, and the item that I'm going to select if I have to just pick one. And it's because I've picked the Halloween costume. I've picked the tricycle. So now I got to go with the Fonz pinball machine. It's like a four by three mechanical pinball machine. It ranged in price anywhere from $49.95 on a good sale up to about $69.95. Uh, I wish I had one today, man. So it's the Fonz pinball machine. Hey, can't go wrong with the Fonz, man. So that's what I got for hot products. Let's turn this one over to Andre Gower for his ruling on this round. Honestly, this one's tough. Like I said, uh, I, I try to make determination based on, you know, personal connection to the things, if there are any, uh, you know, unfortunately the weed in the walls on the last one didn't have a personal <laughs> connection. Um, but this one does, it's tough. I gotta, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna decide as I'm kind of noodling it verbally here. Um, you know, the, those toys that, 
what was their names? What was the kids' names? Uh, they were just delightful. Oh, uh, Ch- Chad and Nikki. Chad and Nikki. Yes, thank you. Bless your hearts, Chad and Nikki, who are probably old and divorced and have grandkids now. And miserable. Well, I, I did look up Chad Joliff on Facebook. He still lives in Marysville, Ohio. So Of course he does, because he's still pulling his own stretch arm stroke. Um, the toy, the toy, the toy, the toy. Um, okay, so I had... The stretch monster, the green guy. Uh, the friends had Armstrong, but that was kind of weird. Um, the the monster was cool, uh, and I had the six million dollar man uh, doll, which you looked like he had a hole in the back of his head. You could look through his eye, and it was a magnifying glass. It was fucking rad. Um, and he had like a red jumpsuit, and his you know, just was like this. And uh, <laughs> those are all time. I never had the Fonz the Fonzie pinball machine though. But um, uh, we all want to be cool like Fonzie. Um, but if we're, if, if, if I'm going to stay true and judge it with personal connections, I, I'm trying not, I'm a seventies kid too. Like I said, I'm trying not to make it all eighties. It's tough to go with as hot products that changed an era or a paradigm shifts were, but that NES certainly did, um, for me more so than even the 64, uh, because the original NES was the last game console I ever had. <laughs> I've had not owned one since. I had a 2600, which was given to me uh, by Atari <laughs> uh, uh, on the set of doing the ET Atari video game commercial. <laughs> I got an Atari <laughs> you 2600. <poor> <laughs> uh, and I don't know if we talked about that before. Yeah, we did. But, you know, <laughs> And uh, I'm still waiting for that uh, Atari exec to send me every game Atari made. She lied to me. She didn't send me jack shit. Um, But I got the Nintendo NES uh, for that Christmas. No, I'm sorry. For, yes, for that Christmas. And then four months later, it was the second week. This is April. And it was the second week of shooting a brand new TV show on Fox as the network as I've mentioned before, called Mr. President with George C. Scott. We shot the pilot. We did one of them. And I, the next week, I come down with the chicken pox. Oh. And so I can't go to work. I can't be in that episode. They have to write me out. And it's the second week of working on this new show. So it's like, and I'm out from fucking chicken pox. Uh, and I still have the chicken pox scar. Right? And um, I had the chicken pox so bad that my pediatrician was like, I haven't seen this many on a kid ever. <laughs> and uh, so I couldn't go anywhere. And they itch. And I had so many on my feet and in my toes uh, that I just started scratching the shit out of them in front of the TV until they just bled everywhere. Uh, And so, but I sat up all night because you're just uncomfortable and you can't sleep. And I played the absolute teetotal shit out of my NES. And I had the Golf, the, the original Nintendo Golf that came with that. And I got to where I mastered that in April of 88 uh, to where I think I could shoot uh, 22 or 23 under in 18 holes. Damn. Wow. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're holding wanting every par three and you're eagling the par fives. It was insane. So got to go with Nintendo NES because it helped me get through the chicken pox. <laughs> that was the best part about those Nintendo games though. Cause they were so like, it was shit that never happened. So like Tecmo Bowl. You look. Ooh, at, love tech. You would throw like a ninety-nine yard. I remember I played the Raiders, right? And uh, I'd have Jay was Jay Schrader. I drop back and I would just run towards the opposite end zone if I saw my guy get open, <laughs> and I'd keep running. And then I would just throw this ball that would go ninety-nine yards. 
You wouldn't even see the ball. It would go out of the screen and then come right. back down and score. And, and then oh, Tech God. Mobile had like that instant sort of bad like eight bit replay. Yeah, yeah. Like you see it like all like close shadow up shadow versions. Like wow, it's like the same blade, guy. Blades of Steel. I remember that. Blades of Steel. It was like yeah, and then the, you see the crowd. Oh, great! It was amazing. Yeah, so and and then Mario Brothers, but I never really got super far with Mario. I think I just started going insane because of the music. You know what's rough? Did you, you remember Nintendo Thumb? That shit's real. Like if you're as an adult, if you use that same remote, I bought the uh, the mini a couple of years ago when they they released it, and my daughter and yeah. I were playing Mario, and for I swear to God, we played one night like hours on end. She never wanted to play it again after that. But my thumb on my left hand, I could not feel the tip of my thumb for like a month. It's like a carpal tunnel type of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, it deadens those nerves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially when you're going back and forth on the on the cross. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Oof. No, 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 no. Thanks, Nintendo. Thanks, Nintendo. All right, man, crush. Well, you win this one, but we're gonna head on and uh, play the TV round here. So, would you like to start this round, or uh, I'll defer. Go ahead, Mark. You've uh, you haven't gone first yet around because you haven't All won right. any. So I'll let you do that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, uh, let's head over to the night of December 4th, 1977, and we'll take a trip to everyone's favorite fictional Christmas town, Frogtown Hollow, the home of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. A poor Otter family risks everything for the chance to win cash for Christmas. So this was a TV special based on Russell Hoban's children's book. It was directed by the legendary Jim Henson and featured the cast of his Muppet characters. Now, Jim Henson's company produced the special and it premiered on CBC television on the night of December 4th, 1977. Now, the special would air on HBO and ABC and Nick in the 90s. Uh, it aired on HBO actually the following year, 1978. So right from the get-go, you get it. You get the familiar brand of Muppet humor. I mean, the opening song's lyrics are dedicated to talking about how fat their grandmother is. So Emmett Otter and his widowed mom both want to surprise each other for Christmas. You know, but money is tight this year. So news breaks that a talent show is happening where the winner will receive fifty dollars. So Mother Otter she gets ready to sing a song, and Emmett forms the Frogtown Hollow Jubilee Jug Band in hopes of winning the big prize. So the highlight of the movie for me was the rival band, the River Bottom Nightmare Band. They're actually a rock and roll band and street gang comprised <laughs> of Chuck Sloat, Fred Lizard, Howard Snake, Popeye Catfish, and Stanley Weasel. They all ride into a small town and they spoil all the Christmas cheer. So after seeing this, I'm actually dying to see a battle of the bands between the River Bottom Nightmare Band and the Electric Mayhem, the two like Muppet bands. Oh, that would be killer. Yeah. We, we need it. it. needs to happen. <laughs> so I give Gotta you happen. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, December 4th, 1977. I never realized I was that old. Yeah. I seriously, um, had I no thought it was idea. 78. I was only a year off. I actually thought it was 78, but I knew it see, was I late had, 70s. I had missed it as a kid. I had never seen it, yeah, but yeah. if you want to watch it, it is on Amazon Prime. It is excellent. It is on the top of my... I love Emmett Otter. That's such a great Christmas movie. So, and snoozed on. Like, no one knows, no really knows it that well. It's no. not a, you know... It used to be on HBO, like, like Christmas all Carol, yeah. the time through the 80s. Every year it was on. 
Amazing. All right, Chucky, why don't you go next? What did you bring for the TV oh, round? Oh, how am I going to – how do I even follow Emmett Otter? <laughs> I, I can't, like, throw my head in now because I can't compete with Emmett Otter. So. Well, Wu-Tang's for uh, the I'll children, so what do you have? Wu-Tang, you know, I'm – but, you know, Emmett Otter is for the child for everybody. I mean, <laughs> Emmett Otter is like – like I said, I can't follow up with that. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, December 24th, uh, 1997. Uh, a movie uh, on TBS at uh, 5.05, it started because, you know, TBS started everything at 5.05, whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, people probably thought there was something wrong with their television by uh, eight, or, 8 or 9 o'clock because uh, the same movie kept on playing over and over again. Uh, and a holiday favorite uh, that we all know and love uh, with uh, Ralphie and his family. And uh, he's destined to shoot his eye out <laughs> and uh, beat the ever-living shit out of Scott Farkas. And, uh, you know, his dad is uh, destined to get his uh, his lamp, uh, his major award. And his, uh, his uh, you know, his, his uh, little brother doesn't want to eat his meatloaf. And that's Christmas for you. He wants the Red Rider BB gun, Ralphie. And, you know, he's asked Santa and he's asked everybody for it. And, you know, at the end of the movie, we know how it ends. And, you know, he gets the BB gun and he does indeed shoot his eye out. I'm talking about Christmas Story started 1997, it started running for 24 hours from Christmas Eve, the 24th, onto the 25th. I believe it ended at like 7 p.m. Then they put on like church stuff usually, or like, a, you know, the a, Yule. some kind of, uh, yeah, the Yule. There you go. Yeah. It's, uh, and singing and whatnot. And um, yeah, so that, that's, uh, that started a tradition that I think we all kind of took part in. Uh, I'm sure, you know, everybody here is. Uh, watch the Christmas story at least once or twice between the uh, the 24th and 25th. Uh, and, uh, you know, even, even if not, it's, you know, it's just everybody watch. It's a, it's a classic. It's, it's up there. It's probably in my top three, you know, I, I can like all through December, it's just in my head. Like, you know, it's a fragile. It must be Italian, you know? And, <laughs> I have the lamp you know, right yeah, over there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And Bumpus is, you know, just, you know just everything, you know, it's just, it's so quotable. It gets stuck in your head, especially if it plays 24 hours, it really gets stuck in your fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. I, yeah, I, I, I love that movie. I uh, actually have this, uh, I, you know, I collect VHS is still, I'm a weirdo. Um, but I have this VHS copy from 1989 that I taped off a TV and I just watched that tape. Like every, it's got all the original commercials from 1989. It just, brings me back to that time of like well, i remember when this is 1989 so it's like this was before they started playing at 24 hours so i would add my tape and i would play it like non-stop so you know yeah it's it's uh it's a it's a tradition christmas story it's a classic but it was it drew zackman that hated this yeah I think what? It was. yeah drew oh drew god blasphemy oh yeah. he's a grinch holy yeah. crap who hates the christmas story that's like saying you hate the simpsons it was what? his selection <laughs> and he shit all over it i think <laughs> wasn't that what it was boy oh boy i never heard anybody who didn't like christmas story wow maybe maybe andre maybe andre doesn't sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, little, little tidbit about the movie all the school scenes were shot right down the street from my current location in st Catharines. there you go there you oh, go oh shit wow did not know that nice where he got his uh, tongue stuck to the pole was that actually so you, have you seen that er that area that's i great. drive by the school almost every day oh that's amazing well the uh the uh, house is a tourist uh trap in uh, ohio uh, not far from where I'm at in Chicago. And it's like, yeah, the house is still there and they have tours all year round, I think. 
they got the lamp in the window and everything. It's pretty cool. You get to lick the pole. <laughs> no, that's that's in Canada. <laughs> Joe's gonna go and recreate the photo. <laughs> please do, Joe. Please do. I want to see that. <laughs> All right, man crush. Why don't you wrap up this game with your selection for the TV round? All right, I'll just uh, grab a little blurb from a newspaper article here. So this is go uh, December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, I came across this news story. It is December twenty seventh, and it pretty much sums the whole thing up so let's just go to that keep it short uh it's from new york it says television stations around the country are experimenting with a new animated show called teenage mutant ninja turtles uh the title characters are named leonardo donatello michelangelo and Raphael. their favorite food is pizza with toppings that range from whipped cream to a combination of jelly beans and mushrooms their mentor is a former ninja who doesn't look japanese that's because He's been turned into a rat by the same nitrogen goo that transformed the four discarded turtles into mutant heroes in half shell. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles opens on 84 stations beginning December 28th for a five day run playing twice a day in the Kenosha area. Channels 24 and 50 will carry it. If it clicks, it will return for reruns in the spring, then begin on a weekly basis in September of next year. Well, uh, the original run of the cartoon obviously went beyond five episodes, that mini series, and it ran until 1996, then again from 2003 to 2009, then again from 2012 through today. And there are five movies, and this franchise as a whole has made well over a billion dollars uh, since then. So uh, it's not the birth of the comic, but probably its biggest evolutional boost in the whole thing with the debut of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a syndicated cartoon for five episodes, starting December 28th, 1987. Wow. Fantastic find. Yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. All right, Andre, let's toss it over to you. What is your final verdict on this game? Well, like I said, this is, uh, those, actually all three are, are those, those could win against almost any other, uh, other options. Very strong. Um, if I'm going... But I'm gonna stay true to my personal connection. Um, uh, even though uh, I am a huge Muppets fan, that really, when you when you said that, one, I was like, oh, this wins. This wins has got to win. Um, but I don't have a personal connection with it. Um, and if you haven't noticed, I'm making this dueling decades all about me, <laughs> which you should. You should. <laughs> uh, Every judge should do that. Like sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Just what do you think? Yeah, I and like I, I'm literally a huge Muppet. I love Muppet. I love the Muppets. Grew up the Muppets, especially in that era. Um, and I, you know, Animal right now is on a uh, guy cooker yeah, killing I me right now. I see him every, and I'm like, yes, he's my favorite. <laughs> uh, but if you know, if we and with the turtles, I was never a huge turtles fan. I don't. I, I never really got it because I don't think maybe because I was really into ninjas at the time. And I was like, there's no way a fucking turtle could be a ninja. <laughs> And um, it was like, they have, like, they can't, don't have opposable thought. Like, there's no way, like, it's like they got a shell. This is impossible. Uh, but they became such a piece of iconography for years. And even though uh, I know the voice of Donatello in the movie, which is Adam Carl, uh, who played Derek in the Monster Squad, uh, who's been a lifelong friend, 
And my good pal, Ciro Nielli, uh, was the executive producer and lead artist on the last iteration of the TV show or the animated series. Uh, and he's also in the documentary. Uh, he's the guy that we're in his uh, garage doing, you know, oh, art yeah. nights and stuff. That's Ciro. So he was an EP on Turtles. Uh, any other day that would uh, probably win it because of those personal connections. But uh, I go even deeper. I think I got to go with Chuck here. Uh, even though it wasn't the original airing, you know, obviously of this movie, but creating 24 hours of a fucking Christmas story uh, because I myself was very close uh, to being in that movie. So close that we did the final screen tests in Toronto, all for you, Joe. Um, spent three or four days there meeting with uh, producers and directors and reading scenes. Uh, I read uh, for the role of Flick. It came down to me and a couple others. And of course, Scotty Schwartz ended up becoming the icon that he is. Uh, but the audition scene was the tongue scene. We spent three or four days in Toronto. Uh, I remember going to a steakhouse and having my first filet ever, and it was wrapped in fucking bacon. Nice. And I remember that walking through the snow. We even went, is it, is it uh, wood, wood or Woods Island, right? There, they took like a little like a uh, trip over to the island and hung out. Uh, but Christmas Story being what it is, another one of those that got away uh, that I would love to have been in. Um, could I have played Flick? Sure. Uh, am I as Flick as Scotty Schwartz is? Not a not a chance. He's he's <laughs> he's iconic as it gets. And of course, Peter Billingsley is fantastic. Uh, a tidbit, if I remember it right. Of course, we see the movie as it is now. He gets his gun. He shoots it at Ricochets, and it it you know uh, hits his glasses, cracks his glasses, and and cuts his cheek. Uh, in the original script, the ricochet hits an icicle and the icicle goes in his eye and, and <laughs> pops his eye. That would have uh, been so much better. Man. That would get two days on TBS. Oh, man. That's in the Tarantino version. Yeah. That is. So uh, I got to go. I, you know, I got to go with, uh, with, with Chucky. Yeah, that That's amazing. I've never heard that before. No, I didn't either. That's a, yeah, that's great. Wow. That and would have been uh, such a you different know, movie. even more personal than that. But uh, you know, Peter was a friend all those years when we were little, and uh, I ended up doing two messy Marvin commercials with him. <laughs> that is that is awesome. pretty wild. I've Talk about an American that. icon, Peter fucking yeah. Billingsley. Yeah, American yeah, icon. he sure is. The motorcycle kid. That's another one. That's <laughs> right. That's right. What commercials did yeah. he, was he wasn't Mikey, right? No, no, he was uh, Messy Marvin. Messy Marvin for 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 uh, Nestle Quick. Nestle, yes, um, I knew he was. Which is ironic because in uh, in Christmas Story, you know, he has the drink your oval oval tea. So it's yeah. you know, it's yeah. he says the two <laughs> uh, cancer causing chocolate drinks of our youth, um, <laughs> you know, as as branding. But uh, and then he of course grew up, you know, to be a big producer, and um, you don't see him much, but he's the uh, he was friends with uh, two unknowns named John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Yep. And um, I think Vaughn lived on Billingsley's couch for years or something. And um, I think the little homage and swingers, the guy behind the guy uh, is, a, is a, is a plug to Peter. Uh, he's an elf. He's in, he's an elf in elf. It, yes. Peter Billingsley. I never yes. mentioned. Directed I never by John Favreau. Elf, yes. <laughs> yes. So they all, uh, they all they all uh, keep connected to each other, which is very rad. 
that's freaking wild i've never heard that story i did not know that uh you're up for that that's great oh yeah first first time i ever went to canada and it was toronto <laughs> so i was right there hey kid lick this pole like what yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> unreal that was that unreal. was that was one of the auditions all the canadians are doing it it's it, it, it's it's howie hayes everybody coming in that's right that's right um yeah don't kids don't do that actually don't yeah. do that. disclaimer if you're 11 or under and watching Dueling Decades, do not uh, do not lick a, a frozen flag. Luckily for us, it doesn't really hit our demographic. <laughs> In fact, this is COVID time. Stop licking anything. Right? Well, this is true. Yeah, don't lick anything. And if you're in the car with mom and dad, don't put your tongue on anything that's cold. Flag poles, doorknobs. <laughs> and especially if a stranger asks you to lick something on camera, just don't do it. Just, just run. What does this happen? But I, I will, I will take the uh, the victory for this week. I, I know uh, you love the '80s, and uh, I didn't think my news story was going to pull that one out. But you know, this is the third time you've been on. Like we talked about before, you're you're kind of a veteran of this. Second time you're judging. You actually played the game, which a lot of our judges, actually none of them have ever done. You're the only one to ever do that. And it was amazing. You came with all the research and all that stuff, and then. I think that was in April. I think it was in April you were on. And then uh, you were at the Mahoning over the summer. And I got to meet up with you at the Mahoning over the summer. Yeah. And yeah. then I don't remember even what month that was. Was that July or June? It was a real uh, shitty day. The, the drive-in? Yeah. That was, uh, that was April, too. That was April. It was April? Holy shit. Yeah. This, yeah, it was April. This year is Because it was still cold. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was still cold on the Friday. It was a really crappy night, and it was like, uh, it was raining. On the Friday. But it was The so Saturday cool. was good, but the Friday was Yeah. Tough. Yeah. It was so cool, though, to watch. And we talk about the Mahoning on here all the time, but I think watching the Monster Squad on the drive or at the drive-in while it was like kind of hazy it just it went like the whole yeah. that whole day kind of went and my daughter had never seen the movie before and she was like oh he was but she didn't wouldn't get out of the car to go see you she was like nervous i was like why like why no, she was just cold she was probably lying she was probably she's like yeah it's fucking cold out here. <laughs> uh no that was actually a, a really awesome trip and um i you know i feel cool being part of the you know the drive-in family now that you got to be a guest there and they showed monster squad and wolfman's got nards so i'm a huge drive-in fan i just love the the, the concept of the drive-in i think it's, it's probably the most americana thing that we have ever ever invented yep. it's the you know the, the the country of the big ass car and big ass movies and we put them together uh i grew up going to the drive-in my dad and i used to go um the i remember going uh my dad had a big ass ford ltd and we uh uh saw octopussy at the, nice. at the at the drive-in in the valley um but it was cool to watch monster squad because i was sitting there in the booth uh watching monster squad at the drive-in while sean crenshaw is on his roof watching the drive-in <laughs> So that yeah. was a little weird and meta, right? So it was um, that was kind of neat. Was that the first time you ever saw it at the drive-in? Uh, yeah, yes. Because I don't think we drove around. I don't think it was playing at a drive-in in LA. Because we, didn't, I don't think we. I think they were all gone by that time. Yeah, it's possible. Um, so I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I saw it. And of course, Monster Squad wasn't out long enough to go anywhere else to see <laughs> it in the theater. I had a, I had a question real quick that I've been thinking about ever since I heard you were going to be on with us here. Um, 
is there two versions of the movie Monster Squad? Because uh, we I had a, a conversation about this a few times where the ending is different on, I think they made a TV version and a regular version of the movie. I, I've I've heard and something like, of that, like it aired differently, but I don't know what the difference, I don't remember. What I, well, one, one of the differences definitely, because I have it on DVD and VHS, uh, one of the differences is that um, the ending song is like completely, I'm going to nerd out here. It's like, they say at the end, he said, you know, well, who are you kids? We're the monster squad. That usually goes into the into the credits and into the song. There's right. a version where it goes into like a montage of like recapping the movie, and then a different song plays at the end. Oh, very, I we, totally yeah. want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I have. It's I want very, to see I, that. So. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I I, I thought you would have known that. I, yeah, Chuck. I don't know. I've I've heard different stuff like that with different and even different versions. Whether I don't know, maybe Joe fucked it up and it's the Canadian version or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> guilty. Yeah. Well, I do. I do know personally. I, I worked at a blockbuster video. I'm going to tell you a little nonsensical story about. Uh, the, and this was about 2003. Uh, when the Monster Squad didn't come out on DVD until at least like 2000 and what five or it was, seven? Uh, or uh, seven. Like 2007. Seven, okay. So 2003, I'm working at Blockbuster and this guy used to come in all the time. And I said, you know, I really would love to find the Monster Squad somehow because you can only find it on VHS right now. And that's like mm -hmm. scarce. And it's not on DVD. They play it on TV once in a while. You're lucky if you can catch it, you know. And this guy goes, yeah, well, I can find you a copy. And he comes back to Blockbuster a couple of days later and he gives me a burned copy of Monster Squad. And I was so like happy to have that, you know, because it was like, no one and then all of a sudden you know fast forward five years later it comes out you know big release yeah. and yeah it was just like it was one of those things that like for a while it was kind of obscure you know it wasn't you know as well, you know well, it was like the goonies or something or you know but it was even hard to get you know it was like at that point you know so absolutely yeah. i mean that's really the you know that's sort of the identity of it for that you know kind of interim time between like mm -hmm. 80 88 89 all the way through 2007 uh, is what it was, it disappeared. Like it would show every once in a while or, you know, everybody is still playing their VHS. And then at that time, uh, it was weird because in the early 2000s, uh, there was a bootleg DVD out of the UK that actually had a wrap and some art and and it looked pretty legit, except for it was a complete bootleg. Mm -hmm. And I, I was sort of seeing this girl at the time and I went to her place and... Um, <laughs> Uh, she goes, I got something I want to show you. I was like, Ooh, perfect. <laughs> and she's like, and she has this thing. I'm like, Oh, it's just like a DVD. And she opens it up and she goes, I bought this. And I was like, that's fake. <laughs> she was so, I, We're she over. Was so disappointed and deflated. She thought I was going to be all excited. I was like, yeah, great. You're contributing to bootlegging. You, know? <laughs> you, you suck. And uh, she's like, no, this is your boot. I was like, no, it's not. It's not out. And she's like, oh. And I was like, <laughs> well, I apologize okay. for bootlegging, but you know, A, I'm from Chicago, and B, I just had to have that movie in night and two. No, but the, you know, years later, of, I'm not poo pooing it because that was the only way you know the fans of Monster Squad could actually get it. And even at trading, that time, the, yeah, trading the VHS was trading on eBay for like 150 bucks, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the weird thing is, is there wasn't even that many that they were eBaying. Because if you had that, you, you were you weren't getting rid of it, right? You know, like it was, uh, you know, 
eagle eye fans would walk around and see it like in a dollar bin in a library or there you go i love the vhs but it's, yeah, it's, VHS it's is it's one of my favorites fabulous. Here. I, man, original and <laughs> and uh well we got to get that it's not signed it's blank it's not signed i know we, i know we gotta yeah. we gotta remedy oh, that but, so. uh, see i i do need to get it thank you because i have bobcat goldthwaite's uh signature on shakes the clown so i need this next to it <laughs> yeah you know because those are two pillars of my use at least those are, those I mean, <laughs> a biblical proportion um <laughs> but yeah no the but to see it you know you know chuck like up at that time when it was unallowed but people were still bootlegging it and the phenomenon that led up to that original screening and then uh you know the dvd that they put out the 20th anniversary and it goes bonkers for Lionsgate. Yeah. you know it was all that stuff that launched this resurgence uh you know mm -hmm. that led up to this kind of dynamic that you know i realized that that was an interesting story that we kind of wanted to tell in wolfman's gotten art so it all it's all connected and it's all part of the fabric and I just think it's an interesting story, even if I wasn't not only part of the fabric, but sort of in the middle of the weave, so to speak, and literally one of the lead gatekeepers to this fucking movie for the last 15 years. Uh, it's, it's just fascinating uh, to talk about, to kind of see. And I love the fact that, you know, now that it's been, you know, two, two or three years since we've started on the documentary and came out last year, that we have different and more stuff to talk about. And we learned so much about it, including that time back when you were, you know, working at the store and 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 how much stuff was collected and and saved. Uh it's just an it's just an interesting, you know, kind of background to that. Oh, and okay. and then to, you know, 30 something years later to go to the drive-in and 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 people are still celebrating and it's it's kind of neat. Yeah. And I'm glad drive-ins are still around. Well, I'm glad I mean, that's the one good thing COVID yeah. did was it, re, it revived the drive. -in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite drive-in story is, you know, when I was in college, um, uh, it, I had, I was a mass comm journalism major and I had to, our senior paper, you had to pick a piece of American media um, and, and write your senior kind of paper on it. And I chose the drive-in movie theater and our head of department, she loved the idea. She goes, no one's ever done this. I've done this class for like 20 years and no one's ever picked that. The problem was there's no books <laughs> or Mac about the drive-in movie theater. And so I got a whole letter grade less uh, because I didn't have enough cited sources, the minimum cited sources, whatever college professors. And uh, the only book that I cited, I had Joe Bob Briggs's drive-in <laughs> book. Yes. And, uh, and then years later, I met Joe Bob uh, we had hit, uh, Ryan Lambert and I had a podcast at, uh, for about a year called Squadcast, and um, it didn't have anything to do with Monster Squad. It was just me and Ryan goofing off, and uh, <laughs> we interviewed. We had Joe Bob on our show, and uh, I told him that story. And then I get to see him every now and again, and uh, uh, you know now he's you know hanging out doing you know last drive in with Darcy and all this stuff. It's, and he uh, was in Mahaning like a month after yeah, you. He saved my bacon, so I would have gotten a C instead. Of I got a B. His book saved me, so it's good. His his book <laughs> helped me uh, graduate college. Yeah, it's, that's so awesome. And uh, what do you call it? you? Psych you signed uh, Mike Ranger's VHS tape that Friday. The, he actually went. He brought it. He was late. He, he didn't come with me. He came later on. You you signed that for him too. But after we saw yeah. you there, go into yeah. what happened after that, because I mean, a lot of <laughs> shit happened to you after that. Uh, yeah, it was um, ironically like uh, April, May. Um, I, you know, we're, we're still kind of like locked down, not doing anything. And I had, uh, 
I had, I had actually started um, a little uh, kind of activity challenge with my Instagram followers. So I was like working out. It wasn't like a fitness challenge or like who could bench press more today, but it was just all around. Just get, every, we've been sitting around for a year, like everybody get up and move. Let's just go walk around the block once or, you know, it's just about activity. And um, I, I started doing as a little thing, you know, just to get everybody moving, including myself. And I was actually working out harder behind the scenes uh, because what a lot of people don't know is I was doing that to keep motivated because a friend of mine uh, had written a movie and with me in the lead and I was supposed to leave uh, for all of July and shoot this movie in East Texas uh, with my buddy uh, Derek Johnson uh, and his producer partner Chris May. So this was this cool little kind of like modern crime, small town crime noir thing and I played as drivers. It was a really cool story. I was looking forward to it, but I had to get in shape because I didn't want to be in camera and you know look like a schlub because I've been you know sitting around for all of 2021 and or 2020. So I was doing this fitness thing and uh two days uh, on July like first uh, I I completed like the the 60 day challenge or whatever it was and celebrated with that and I got up on Saturday morning, uh July 3rd to go play tennis with uh, my good buddy Mike and um playing for about an hour and uh, started feeling a little weird. And I thought it was just, I thought it was just dehydrated or my blood sugar dropped. And uh, long story short, I was having a massive heart attack. And um, my, you know, thanks to my buddy, Mike, we, we determined that this wasn't good because apparently I wasn't looking good. <laughs> I wasn't feeling well. And, uh, you know, we walked out of there, he got in his car and we, got to, we went to this kind of a uh, uh, small, like uh, ER urgent care place first. And um, they determined in about three minutes that I could no longer stay there. And I needed uh, to be in the big hospital uh, right now. And I was having a STEMI, which is an um, ST elevated myocardial infarction. Um, and it was, uh, which is when uh, one of your coronary arteries, it happened to be my right coronary artery. Uh, if you have some narrowing, of it, um, uh, uh, it the inside lining of your artery ruptures, uh, and that's a bad thing. Um, and the fix to that, your body starts to clot that rupture. And what happened is uh, my clot grew uh, too big and it blocked off that artery completely. So for an indeterminate amount of time, the right side of my heart muscle was not getting any blood supply and oxygen, and uh, it was killing me. <laughs> so, uh, but thanks, like I said, to my buddy and that group of, uh, uh, you know, medical team at the first place, and I got in an ambulance, they jammed me down the street and got to that emergency department. And they rushed me into the cath lab and uh, went in, you know, through your femoral vein and femoral artery and cleared the blockage, put a stent in, the clot released, they chased the clot, I went into VTAC, they fixed it with meds instead of shocking, and uh, I was literally in the cath lab, and they were working on me for, I mean, it's minutes, and um, then it was, it was over, but this crack cath lab team, which was amazing, um, knew exactly what they were doing, and uh, saved me, because uh, according to the the, the cardiologist surgeon that was in there, you know, working with the wires and, and saving the day. Um, if I hadn't, uh, if Mike hadn't gotten me to where I needed to be, uh, and then they had gotten me over to the cath lab, uh, I had about 10 minutes left, Holy if that. Shit. And um, even though I was, you know, relatively healthy and in good shape, you know, this, that doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, so I don't know if that whole like kind of activity challenge caused me to have a heart attack, or if it's what helped me get through that 
40 minutes of uh, of a crazy time. Because yeah, all of that, you know, from feeling wonky to leaving and getting to the first place, getting in the ambulance and then going to the big hospital, uh, that was a, a massive amount of experience in a very short amount of time. Uh, and all this happened within like 30 minutes. Oh, it's insane. How did you know? Like, so you were playing tennis just so people know, you know, yeah. like if, if something feels weird, like what felt off? Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the that's the good question here. If we're going to talk about, you know, like, hey, you know, pay attention to yourself. Uh, you know, we, we've got the kind of stereotypical TV thing that we see all the time. It's like, oh, my an elephant right. sitting on right. my chest. I can't breathe. Yeah, that's a thing that can happen. Uh, that usually happens when your uh, LED or your Widowmaker uh, has the problem, um, or a lot of you know you feel oh my left arm I can't you know it's 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 going it's going numb or like it hurts. Um, that's you know we see that all the time. Um, that's usually if your left coronary artery uh, is having an issue. Um, I, mine was the right. I had zero zero pain and zero discomfort. <laughs> I thought like my blood sugar just dropped. I just felt weird. Um, my hands and feet got tingly. I saw some like weird, funky colors for a little bit and I just couldn't get comfortable. I just thought my blood sugar had dropped. Uh, and I finally, I was just rolling, kind of just like laying on the side of the tennis court while Mike and Greg, they kept hitting. And I was sitting there going, I'm just not feeling better. And, uh, I finally sat up and Mike came and checked on me and he looked at me and was like, Hmm, you don't look good at all. And he goes, are you feeling better? And I said, I'm honestly trying to determine if I'm having a heart attack or not. And Mike, who used to be a, he used to be a, 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 a an EMT in Phoenix was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, because you don't look, and he came and checked him. He's like, all right, we're getting the fuck out of here right now. And because uh, the only thing I had was a little bit of discomfort, like right across my collarbone. Uh, and that's it. And then it, it wasn't painful, but I felt a little kind of like pulse down both arms that just was not normal. And I was like, ah, oh, this could be cardiac. I was, I don't think this is good. And I was trying to will myself through it and like get through. It. And then Mike came and checked me. He's like, no, nope, we're out of here. Let's go. And uh, luckily that happened because um, I was having a massive heart attack. That's insane. Um, so it's not necessarily all of the cliche stuff that you feel. Um, like what I had, I just had a little bit of, I wasn't really that short of breath until a little bit later than like, you're not really getting a lot of breath. And then I went really shocky and I was shaking and, um, you know, they, you know, they had to work on that, but, uh, like my right side of my body was, you know, convulsive, you know, as, as it was getting late in that 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, for signs and symptoms, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, you know, there's a lot, just read up about it. Cause there's so much more like, go just, just Google. I mean, simple, like, you know, go to the AMA or, you know, go to the American Heart Association right. or, you know, just, just Google that shit. Because uh, it, it everybody's different, and a lot of times, like with an RCA problem, uh, they say, "Oh, it's pain in your neck or in your jaw." Um, one of the sucky things is, is, is hopefully you have a lot of awesome uh, lady listeners. Is uh, women have a lot of heart attacks as well? They're you know they're fifty one percent of the population. Their signs are completely different. There's no pain. There's it's usually like lower back pain. Um, so if you you know it's it's just you know and it it doesn't necessarily only happened to out of shape, uh, you know, unhealthy people. Right. Um, yeah. I was in fairly good shape and I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a clean eater. I don't, I don't smoke. I don't use, uh, I don't drink, <laughs> you know, I may have a drink every couple of months. Um, and uh, your genetics have a lot to do with it. So, 
you know, right off the bat, you know, your overall health is important. Uh, if, if you know you have bad genetics on, you know, you know, cholesterol or, you know, blood fats or, you know, weak heart stuff, you know, family history is a big thing. Go get checked, you know, do your blood panel, you know, get your lipids checked, get your HDL, your LDL and your overall cholesterol. Cause those are the, the cliche and like most noticeable, but those are the ones that cause problems. Right. And, you may have to change your diet or go on a statin for a little bit and drop it. I have very high familial genetic kind of cholesterol issues. I always have, we're always out of range yep. and our HDL and LDL is like basically flipped of where it's supposed to be. I mean, that's always been a problem. However, I've never had an issue because I've always been healthier. I counteracted with exercise and, and, you know, decent diet or whatever. Um, hey, that shit is going to catch up with you. And um, apparently that's what it did. Um, I don't know if I could have done anything to avoid it or if this was just going to happen anyway. Um, but luckily it, uh, if it's going to on July 3rd, like it did at, you know, 1130 in the morning or whatever, uh, it happened for me and, and, and I couldn't ask for a better, better happenstance. Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, you know, half a dozen things conspired in my favor for me to make it to July 4th. And, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, it, that, that's a, that's a weird thing to kind of go through. And, uh, you know, I, I spent three days in the ICU after that. And that's a weird experience too, because you've got these lines in your leg and you can't move, you can't bend at the waist, you can't pick your head up, you can't flex your app, you can't, you know, I've got a temporary pacemaker in for, you know, a day and a half and, you know, things banging away, you know, making sure you're, you know, cause it's beating for you. Cause your heart's kind of like, uh, I'm fucked up. And, uh, you don't know until a day or two later, how much damage you've sustained. Um, and at the time it was minimal. I just had a huge cardiology kind of workup where he did a nuclear stress test and like the EKG and the regular stress test and this kind of imaging. Um, and as of right now, like uh, I, I made it out with minimal damage and some of that's repairing and um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not really restricted right now, but um, you know, my energy's still down a little bit. You're a gear low. I, I kind of take it easy. <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of a laid back guy anyway, but I'm always on the move and always moving very fast. Um, I'm a little slower right now. I'm just taking it easy. Um, uh, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it's a weird thing. And you're like, oh, my heart rate's getting up too much. Don't blow up again. Don't blow up again. So what, it, what, what is, um, how much does that change you now? You know, this many months later, like, obviously you're always thinking about, you know, what happened. Do you change your entire lifestyle or what? You know, that's the funny thing is most people that have a coronary event like this or have damage or have a heart attack, they've got to completely change everything. And they're like, oh, now my life's going to suck. Now I've got to eat well and I can't smoke and I can't drink. And like, basically they changed to what my day is, <laughs> like what my everyday, like that's just me. And uh, so I don't, I mean, obviously everybody can improve, including myself. Um, and, you know, I, I, I find myself, I don't eat as much. So I'm eating less now, which is good. And one time I don't eat as often. I love to eat. I love food, man. I love food. It's the best. And um but, you know, I'm just kind of taking it easy, um, being mindful that I'm not 28, I'm 48. Um, uh, that's hard, you know, though, not right? Like, that's, it I'm, is, I'm 43, for and I think, like, yeah. all the time, I feel like I'm, like, 25, but obviously I'm not, I'm not 25 anymore, well, you know? Yeah, we, we tend to do that because we want to one. Um, but you know, and it, you don't have to acquiesce and go, well, I'm an old fart now, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit in my Barca lounger. Um, you know, you know, if you're an active person, you can stay active. Um, but you've, you just got to understand that you need to, 
maybe tweak something or go get something and check. Cause a lot of, you know, us as dudes in America and, you know, with our generation, uh, we won't, uh, we're a little better than our parents' generation about going to the doctor or listening or changing your lifestyle. Um, cause none of us want to hear any, anything bad, right. you know, we don't want to go to the dentist and hear like we had a cavity. So we just won't go to the dentist and then we'll have five cat. Um, but you know, it's, you just gotta, you gotta understand, uh, getting older sucks. We're not old yet. We're just getting older, yep. uh, and things change and there's a way to improve and, 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 and help yourself. Doesn't matter what you eat you know, how active you are, if you're a gym rat or like a, you know, a CrossFit person, um, all lifestyle is important. Uh, it is secondary to your genetics, right? Hands down. Uh, it's very important, but it's your, the genetics will take, will take precedent in anything kind of biological or medical for you. So, uh, it's, it's way too easy to find this stuff out or what you could, or may have problems with. I mean, simple blood tests are easy. Just go to the fucking doctor, man, yep. go get a blood panel, go get a regular checkup. Um, uh, and I had actually, you know, I, I, I've, I've been honest with everybody. I, I, I didn't for the last couple of years leading up to that. Uh, so I don't know if anything would have been like, uh, Hey, now, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, let's, let's, let's take care of this a little bit. Um, you know, and, you know, just annual, just basic stuff go. I mean, if you're on, you know, if you got an exchange healthcare, but you get it free every year, you know, if you have healthcare from work or not, you know what? You can go and get that done for about 200 to $400. Just go to an office visit yep. and get blood panel. It's not going to cost you that much. Um, it, it, it's worth having the info. Um, and if you do feel weird or you feel something off, um, you know, especially heart-related stuff, like it can, it can hide yep. and it can not feel like I'm, you know, because we all think of this cliche kind of, oh, I'm having a heart attack, like we've seen on TV a million times, and then you fall down dead. Can that happen? Absolutely. We see it all the time. Uh, but sometimes it's just kind of slow. Uh, you know, it's a slow issue and then it gets up. Um, one of the funkiest, freakiest, you know, scariest thing, like the, uh, the cath lab nurse, nurse, he was all, he said to me, he was like, cause everybody asked, they kind of scratched their head and they go, you were playing tennis when was that? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> and they're like, Hmm. And I thought he was going to make a joke or something. He goes, probably the best thing that happened to you today. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, this happens all the time when people are sleeping. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And they, and you don't know it because I didn't have pain. I wasn't like, oh, I can't breathe. Like, what's the right. problem? It was just this weird thing and it won't wake you up. And, um, uh, and then you don't wake up. And so he goes, that's, uh, so that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and uh, you're like, oh, great. I'm never sleeping again. <laughs> uh, fuck Freddy Krueger. It's just my own heart's going to Yeah, seriously. Me. It's like, jeez. I'm glad you're getting better, but I'm I'm also glad that you brought it up. I'm not glad that it happened to you, but you know, at the same time, it's like yeah. I think a lot of times, especially in our age group, and a lot of people that listen to the show are they're in the same age as us. We don't realize this stuff until we hear it from somebody else. And a few years ago, uh, Mark and I, Mark, remember we had it was probably about it was four years ago when I had uh, I had cancer. I had to get my thyroid out. I had to get multiple surgeries, and we had an episode where we talked about shit like this you know your body breaking down and you just gotta watch it so you know everything andre said is correct like go to the doctor go get your blood taken because four years is too much especially when you know you're in your 40s you can't do that shit anymore at 45 no, they already want to yeah. stick a camera up our assholes that's right 45 is the new 50 yeah so <laughs> i mean uh you know just go do it and it, it's nice to hear 
you know, both sides. It's not just us saying this, you know, Andre saying the same thing. He's had this happen to him. Go and do that. Yeah. Sure. And, and look, if, if, if it had to happen to me and go, you know, through that thing to, you know, I don't know, message out or, you know, get someone else that, you know, is not going to think about it. Uh, I'll, I'll take that hit. You know, this was definitely something that knocked me down. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a five, six white guy that played division one <laughs> college basketball. And my, I, you know, I took a lot of charges from a lot of huge human beings. And, uh, you know, I was joking to myself the whole time. I was like, Hey, this is just, you know, I've taken bigger charges than this, uh, get back up. Um, uh, but just watch out for the next one <laughs> and, uh, go find out what you can do to, um, you know, make that better. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm on, um, you don't have to talk about meds with people if you don't want to, it's your business. Uh, I share my story, so I'm okay with it. I'm on a, um, I'm on two blood thinners. I'm on a low dose aspirin, which a lot of people should just be anyway. It's like really helpful. And aspirin's not that uh, bad food. It's actually a, a natural medicine. Um, if you want to boil it down, uh, I'm on a low dose aspirin and I'm on a, uh, a statin, which in, uh, four weeks time reversed my cholesterol numbers by like 50%. Uh, and, and then last month, uh, you know, I had another test on, I mean, it's, it's just, it's well below where it's supposed to be. Uh, and that's just a couple of months, uh, you know, on a, on a statin, which I don't like being on. I don't like being on stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm on a, um, anticoagulation drug, uh, or an antiplatelet medication, um, which is sort of the one I really don't like. The problem is, is that what that drug that makes your uh, platelets uh, uh, kind of uh, smooth mm -hmm. um, and slick. And so they don't stick to, to each other, which is their function. You know, your platelets are what clot. And, 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 and if you cut yourself or, you know, bruise, like they, they stop you from bleeding. Uh, I'm on a drug that prevents that. Oh, that's uh, why? Because I have a coated metal stent in my right coronary artery, which is what they had to come in and put the stent in there to repair the, you know, the, the busted artery uh, and widen the channel that's in there permanently. So uh, you have to take this medication so your platelets don't attach and stick to that stent and cause another clot problem. <laughs> uh, so, you know, now the only thing that's really different on that, you know, it's, you know, it, it makes you feel a little bit different. You know, the, the statins have some side effects too. Um, luckily, I think they're just kind of mild um, and hopefully not long-term or, you know, you could switch up and change doses. And that's the other thing you've got to be, I'm kicking myself. Cause I had, you know, we never really get access to our doctors, even when we're in front of them, because you get what that 90 seconds, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. you get, uh, be prepared, write a list of questions and don't let him or her leave the room without asking the question. Uh, and you have to be your own advocate. Um, cause a, a doctor's office staff is not going to remember what you nope. said last week. You've got to, you've yep. got to keep up on them. If it's an appointment or a test or a, a referral or an authorization, you've got to be <laughs> your own agent there and keep pushing it. Um, I'm not good at that. Um, I'm getting better at it. Um, but you know, and with this one drug, you know, it's, uh, you know, if, if you, if you nick yourself or cut yourself or you're going to, it's going to take a while for it to stop bleeding. So that's really the only thing I have to look out for. Um, so don't, you know, don't, avoid all that yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and get yourself checked. I, I don't want you to have a heart attack. And don't feel bad if you have to take drugs in your 40. Like I have to take a drug every single day because I'm a thyroid. So like, I, it's just, I have to wake right. up and take that shit every single day. So like people. Yeah. And I don't like that. that. I'm not that guy. I really brace up because I, yeah. I refuse. I don't like that. 
sucks. Um, but I have to right now. Maybe I can get off the statin. You know, maybe I can get a low dose on that platelet drug after it's only been five and a half months right, or six months now. And, uh, you know, it, I, I wanted to get off all of the medications after about two weeks. Um, I even asked when my cardiologist said, you know, this looks great. You know, you don't have a lot of damage. And I asked, I was like, well, you want to take my stent out? I'll go back in the back room. Just take it out. Right? And he's like, no, because <laughs> uh, I don't want aftermarket parts. You know, yeah, it's like, I want, I, I'm, I like, I'm it, not man. now, I'm not original factory. <laughs> uh, I, I've got like third party, third party stuff. And um, I don't like it. Um, so you got to deal with it. But they can build you back. They can make you better. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're like RoboCop, man. And you can look through my eye. You can <laughs> come and look through my eye. <laughs> so getting on to better stuff, uh, before you get out of here, where, like you just were out for the past month. You obviously were touring for the movie probably again. What do you have coming up? Do you have any dates that people can go see it? Uh, you know, with, uh, right now, what I'm promoting is, uh, 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 with Wolfman's Got Nards, uh, we're just finally getting our international releases going, uh, cause it's been such a process. Uh, and the awesome brand Arrow Films is actually nice. releasing Wolfman's Got Nards in the UK, uh, and in Australia and New Zealand this month. So if you're a UK based or New Zealand or Australia, um, you know, you can, you can finally get Wolfman's Got Nards. I don't know where yet. They haven't told me the communication is, is not stellar, uh, right now, <laughs> but, we, but, uh, you know, working with, uh, you know, Arrow and working with Raven Banner, which is a Canadian based company, Joe, I always like to, you know, try to, try to plug you a little bit there. God Joe. bless you. Raven Banner, you know, uh, all those, all those cats up there do great stuff. Um, and, you know, that they're awesome to work with and, you know, trying to get it out to different international markets. So if you're international, Wolfman's Got Nards coming to you as we speak. If you're domestic, being U.S. and Canada, it's been out for uh, just over a year. It's still on VOD. Um, you can still order the Blu-ray on Amazon. Uh, you can uh, also see it on Pluto TV right now and Tubi right now. Oh, and it's also somewhere else. Like uh, fans just keep telling me where they're seeing it because I don't get like a, a, a weekly <laughs> distributor email saying, Hey, your movie's playing here now, but we're still loving people and enjoying it. Please tell a friend, watch it again, buy the Blu-ray if you like physical media. We love it. Um, uh, you know, I think I, I get a tweet or a DM, uh, you know, almost daily where someone's saying, hey, I just came across this. I didn't know about this. This was amazing. I loved it. And I told my friend about it, who's a Monster Squad fan. So I think like Monster Squad itself, the longevity of something like Wolfman's got, you know, people, it's just going to be the kids yeah. in the cul-de-sac and on the schoolyard telling their buddies Double about them it. up in one night, watch the movie and then watch the documentary right after it. You yeah. can't go wrong. With yeah, it. It, 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 it works because they tie in together. It's a good double bill. And, um, you know, follow me on Twitter, you know, follow Dueling Decodes, you know, celebrate these awesome dudes. And, um, uh, you know, just working on projects. The only appearance that we had in the books right now, uh, I believe we are, uh, I don't know if they've announced it. So if I'm stepping on their announcements, sorry. Uh, but um, we're going to be, uh, I don't know who else, but Ryan Lambert and I are going to be at Texas Frightmare at the end of April. Sweet. Oh, by the way, you guys were at the show with uh, Tommy is one of our mods for our Facebook group. And he sent us a message and was like, yes. you guys will never guess who they paired me up with. And it was you and Ryan. That's right. That's right. So, we, yeah, we were at Monster Mania at a new venue in North Philly. Uh, Dave moved the show uh, for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Tommy was awesome. So, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> small it, world. It, it's it, Ryan and I work our kind of we work our convention appearances as a duo. 
Uh, so we do it differently than everybody else does. And uh, we just kind of have all of our merch and our stuff to the side. And we rely heavily on someone to kind of run that because we don't deal with any of that shit. We just want to hang out with the fans. Right. Uh, and uh, and laugh and cut up and take photos. And uh, Tommy and I forgot my other guy's name. They, they were awesome. You know, so I hope we didn't work them too hard or they weren't <laughs> too bored. But uh, uh, it was it was a great. No, he said you guys were great. He did. Uh, he was like. He's like, do you guys want to see if they'll come on again? I was like, I'll just contact him afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, dude. He was doing a good job promoting. He was doing a good oh, job. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. He is fantastic. But, yo, have a great holiday season. And uh, please come back. If you want to come back, if you want to compete again, we'll hook it up. We'll, we'll figure that out. But we'll, we'll give you the time period so you could do your research. And we'll let you pick. what. Obviously, you want to probably pick 80s again. And we'll give that to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I like seven. Hey, I was around in all of it. I mean, I had, yeah. I, I, today was cool because I had some actual personal with almost every single, almost every single thing. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, from commercials in the eighties to TV shows in the eighties to being in college at the time and listening to that music in the nineties that, you know, the Chuck was throwing out, uh, to doing TV movies of the week in the seventies, you know, like I did. And, uh, you know, speaking of as a rabbit's holiday time, one of my favorite things I ever did was a TV movie of the week called the man in the Santa Claus suit. And it was in 1979. So if you ever get anybody for a December dueling decades, uh, and you have the year 79 or 80, whatever, 79 or 80, it might've been 80. Um, the man in the Santa Claus suit with Fred Astaire. And write that down. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a they used to play it every year kind of like christmas story but i haven't seen it in a long time and uh, uh that was one of the original things that i did uh with uh, a, a lady who played my mom and other stuff named brooke bundy uh who's still around and, and still gorgeous uh and my dad was none other than burt Condy. oh wow <laughs> that is awesome man all right well thanks again for coming on and uh dude we'll we'll have you on again you we'll see no, it'll be between me. you and uh, tepper to see who gets who it's five first oh i gotta get five first i can't let that dude be. this is like this is kind of like a challenge yeah the gauntlet has been thrown like what do you get do you get like a like a used like palm olive glove or something like what is the thing i don't know i got i got a lot of shit in here i could just bronze it i get joe's busted sign trophies it works now oh, I, w- I was stupid and i didn't know what I, I was hitting a button that turned it off see like well, now it's a different color. There you so, go. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. So it's got an LED. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of fun. That's what we'll get for um, the first five. The first person to come on five times, we'll get that. So just go. <laughs> give us the info. Trophy. If you do, when I win, when I do win that, you don't have to give me one of those. Like you can buy me, you can buy me like a, a bag of golf tees or something. I'm, I'm easy. Oh, I'm you don't want that. All right, fine. We'll get you something. No, else. I'm saying if it's not available, I'll totally, I'll totally take that. Oh, we just got to get it from uh, Joe's wife. She's got the hookup. We'll get it. Well, thanks again, Andre. Have a great holiday, All man. Right, and we will talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Jewelers. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to end this episode right here. But I want to thank Chucky Ball, Zach, for coming in and competing this week. And as always, thanks the outstanding producer, Mr. Joe Finley over on the other side of the glass. Thanks, buddy. Remember, Duelers, if you've missed an episode, you can always subscribe to us on over at DuelingDecades.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, really everywhere podcasts are available, including now on Facebook. 
So make sure you do that. And while you're there, you can join our Dueling Decades group and join our page and join the over 100,000 other duelers and share some of your very own retro memories. So until next time, duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Podcast New York. Be heard.